Warning. The following contains bright, flashing lights, and slash or imager that may cause discomfort, and slash or seizures for those with photosensitive epilepsy. Viewer discretion is advised. You almost ambushed us in here, man. We were like, with our, with our hands in our pockets right now, you know, trying to set everything up. And this guy just showed up behind us. Ninja training, fucking great, you know, tiptoeing and all that. Uh, and have you ever been to Tijuana before? I have. Uh, yeah. I don't, okay. Can you? <laughs> I, did, I actually saw the zebra donkey. The, 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 the Zwanky. Zwanky. Zwanky is what it's called. You yeah. Know? Yeah. That's, that's a weird thing here in Tijuana that just basically a poor donkey painted as a zebra. Man, that's tough. I wonder what that donkey did in his past life. Well, you know, Tijuana is famous for the, the zebra donkeys and also the donkey yeah. uh, spectacles, the spectacles, which are true, actually. Yeah. Long story and a weird picture that I have somewhere. But love Mexico. <laughs> uh, you uh, you spent some time out here in California. You know, yeah. uh, where where at? Uh, yeah, so Coronado. Uh, you know, stationed out here, going through buds and. Yeah, so this is like a familiar place in a way. It's changed. Totally. Yeah. It's, it's changed. I've come down and done some of the Baja. My buddy, uh, team guy, races oh. for Spitfire Racing. I was a helicopter medic for three years for the race team. That's awesome. So That's I'm awesome. Down here and I, I, I just love, I love it down here. Awesome. So um, you do some amazing work. We're gonna go. We're gonna talk about that in a bit. But uh, tell me about how uh, growing up. You know, like, what were you like growing up? What did you do growing up that kind of led you down this weird-ass path that you were on? You know, I'll tell you uh, a funny story that I just heard two weeks ago. My sister ran for a county uh, commissioner um, in upstate New York. Okay. And uh, she was giving this speech, and a guy came up to her and asked her, you know, is your name uh, Alicia uh, Fink? And she goes, yeah, that's that was her, you know, maiden name. Yeah. And, uh he goes, you know, I'm officer so and so. He goes, Are is Micah Fink your brother? Okay. And she goes, Yeah. She goes, In my entire career, he was the guy that I had arrested more times as a juvenile than okay. anybody else in the history of my 25 year law enforcement career. That is a beautiful. And uh, so she said, What's your brother doing now? She's like, Oh, you know, she told him, told her all my background. He was like shocked. And so they sent a selfie picture together, and I mean, I didn't recognize the guy. I was like a little kid. kid. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I grew up in uh, in rural upstate New York, and uh, um, you know, I was a telephone pole lineman. Was kind of a rebel and wild man. Worked on a dairy farm. And a so, dairy farm. Yeah. Uh, I grew up on I grew up on a pig farm myself, and I know a little <laughs> bit of what that what that's like. Uh, that's not that's not very uh, luxurious work. Is that's not very luxurious work, right? Working on a dairy farm. It's disgusting. It's yeah. it's disgusting work. Uh, basically, lactating uh, cows that are constantly producing milk. The smell, the wounds, the pus, all of that and stuff the, is and pretty. And the barn well. cats that are like, they're just it's disgusting. God, it, like, can you drink a glass of milk after no, that? No, I actually don't. I don't want to drink milk. I don't want to participate with milk or events involving milk. I am. Uh, people sometimes ask me if I'm lactose intolerant. I'm just no. I'm lactose aware. Is what I tell them. You know. <laughs> Yeah, lactose aware. Uh, what what type of trouble were you getting into out there? You know, I was just uh, I was just a scrappy kind of kid. You know, uh, all the things. You know, throwing rocks at cars, getting in fights, like um, stealing shit. Uh, you know, I was uh, 
I was, now, just, I was a wild kid. Now, what were you rebelling against? What were you angry about? Well, you know, so I, I, I've talked a lot about my, my youth and stuff like that, you know, over the years. Um, I just, uh, you know, my parents were like super strict religious people. Okay. My dad, but my dad was, uh, you know, I did some hard time in prison uh, and, then, and then became a Christian. And my grandfather was a mob guy. He did like 10 years in prison. Okay. So, and, uh, so it was like in my genetics, I think. I, I don't know. It's just like I just never was. My dad would always tell me all these stories about, you know, all the things and then to tell me so that I would never do them. But then I was just like, that sounds that, that, like that's, so cool. That sounds pretty exciting. <laughs> it's like, sounds so, amazing. Harley's brawls. Like, so you have some generational work uh, going on with you. Probably. Yeah. And I've been doing it actually, you know, I feel like personally with the work that I've done, I've been able to change, you know, I have five kids and I've uh, been able to change the trajectory of their lives. They're not even remotely close to even anything like I was in any that's, way, even the parenting and, um, just the way that I relate to them and show them love uh, has 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 dramatically changed in my life. You're, you're angry, rebellious, throwing, angry. throwing rocks. Uh, somebody says something about you, you turn around. You're not gonna do the other cheek uh, situation. No, like I was, uh, I was angry. I was angry. You know, I, I I hate to sometimes I like tell these stories. That's, I feel like people want to say like, oh, you're like a tough guy or whatever. But like I was, yeah, like I was because I just had this real anger. Uh, towards me, and I actually never wanted to join the military. I never want. I was like a total nonconformist uh, until you know. I was what type the, of music were you listening to? Like Tupac and Method Man, and like <laughs> System of a Down, and like you know, he, I, I, yeah. hardcore metal, like hardcore metal, what, what, what hardcore hip hop. What, what, what year was this? What you were like? I mean, I got a. I mean, high school in '96. Yeah, so like, uh, yeah. You know, you're going into Rage the, Against the Machine. Yeah, you know, all the things. You're going into the late '90s, early 2000s, just listening yeah. to all this shit, throwing rocks punk, and cars. Stooges. I mean, just stuff that was just like, I, like I grew up. I grew up on punk rock myself. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember uh, listening to People of the Sun and and then trying to imagine what it would be like rolling down Rodeo with a shotgun. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I rolled down Revolution with an MP5, but not Rodeo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, you have this, uh, you know, you have this uh, anger. That's uh, basically energy, you know, like unkept energy, probably when you're uh, that that age. Yeah. Uh, you're, I mean, you're 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 going into the two thousands like that. What 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 uh, what happens in the in the two thousands? That kind of like. Yeah, I left home actually at sixteen. So. Uh, so you were you were independently living. Independently, I moved at, to Miami. At sixteen. To Miami. That's that's some friends. That's like that's ten wild. bucks in a in a sob. That is wild. I don't see a lot of sobs around, but <laughs> sh- shout out to sob. I'm trying to get sponsored by them, but uh, <laughs> but uh, I just uh, yeah I, I I came back home and I so I'd grown up on and off being a lineman, so climbing telephone poles, um, worked for like various families. You had a trade. Yeah, had a trade. trade. And so I came back. I started doing that. I started my own business, and then 9/11 happened, and I was there. So, so you were at the world. Uh, so I was in were, Queens, New York, when the first plane hit the World Trade Center. Work, working, what, working. What you working as lineman? I was on a telephone Queens. pole. I was on a sixty-foot pole over a railroad track, uh, just outside of a little neighborhood in Queens, New York, and uh, that's when the first plane hit the World Trade Center. Like, what, what was that? What did you did you see it? Did you uh, hear no, it? No, I mean, people I just, started this, reacting to it. Yeah, within minutes, like the smoke and stuff, kind of was going on from the city, like. But I, it was, you know, I ended up, my buddy called me on the next telephone. I came down and I ended up going to a lady's house. Her door was open, asked if I could see the TV, what was going on. And, and um, 
and I made the decision I was going to go into the city. You just made a decision, like, let me see what I can do to help? Yeah. Now... Yeah. I had no skills. I, well, you know, that's an interesting thing that you are going towards it. Uh, yeah, I went right into it. Like, I... I, I um, what, what 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 made you go towards it? Like, what was it going through your mind? Like, I need to do something? Uh, Probably the same thing. The reason why I threw rocks at cars and, like, you know, got, constantly got fights or something. I, I, I just, I wanted, I never wanted to be in a situation where I was helpless. You know, and I think ultimately that's where it stemmed from. And I had this, like, innate fear, which I've worked through in my life, of being taken advantage of. Okay. Or, like, you know, like, you know, you know, fucked over, whatever. Like, uh, you don't want to be... A, you, you, yeah, victim. That's a, I don't want to yeah, be a victim yeah, yeah. of anything. That's like, and so I had no, you know, skills. I I went into New York and I was there when the Tower Seven fell. Uh, I got, you know, I think it was three hours. I was covering smoke. I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. Are you wrapping shit on your around your face? Yeah, I had my you... shirt sleeve wrapped around my face, and then I had my, you know, I had my shirt pulled over my head. How? I was uh, legitimately, I get my eyes washed out, and I. How many people were running towards it as you were running? Uh, just, just mobs. Moms, Moms of people, people were, were running. running. The, uh, it was total chaos. You know, people don't but, I look back at 9-11 and I'm like, man, people, it was the craziest experience because it was like the end of the world. Like it felt like the end of the world because the, the structures and it was just the sounds of the metal. Now you were, run, you were running towards it. How many people were running away? You know, I'm just... Did, did you get like lots hey, of people were just running don't, away? Don't, uh, did you get any of the don't no, go? No, it was every man for themselves. Yeah, it's 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 funny how that uh, how quiet we get when when uh, when uh, when we run, right? Yeah, it's an interesting thing. So you're running towards this uh, apocalypse, basically scenario where everything's kind of falling. People are are for themselves at this moment with basic nature. Uh, you don't want to be a victim, but also I think uh, I don't know what, what was your feelings about people there, like helping other people. Like what's well, that? I found like a. I found a dead police officer uh, underneath the car. Uh, his, a bunch of people were there. We lifted the car up. He was underneath the car. He must have hit underneath there or something. Uh, and then uh, I found like a torso and some like there were watches and things. And I, I actually climbed like inside the World Trade Center. You want to talk about being like unqualified and unsafe? Like I had flashlights taped to a hard hat and I crawled into the superstructure. And, you know, it was like the sounds and the smoke and the steam. I was just trying to help save people. That, 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 you're, that, but there's no one to save. That your mentality was like, somebody's here. Let me mm -hmm. see if I can pull them out. Yeah. See how we can do it. That's insane. Yeah. Insane to think about. Changed my life. You go through that experience. And I imagine that experience is still with you in a lot of ways. Um, that, that did, it, it didn't end the world but it, I think it did end something, though, that event. I mean, like, a lot of people were affected by it. I mean, I can trace back my inability to continue on my medical career because that's what I was studying in the university, me medicine here in Mexico, to that event. I was uh, putting on my, uh, my clothes and uh, figuring out my books, giant-ass books back then, no computers, no laptops back then, um, and I saw that second plane hit that uh, building. And the economy went to the toilet. And I couldn't afford to go to school anymore. And I had to figure out something else, you know. Now, for you, going through that experience, I mean, what did the, what did the after, what, the, what was the after effect of that experience for you? Was it uh, anger? Was it, uh, like, what do I do now? 
do I continue yeah. on working as a lineman? Uh, do I go back to my regular life? Like, what was that about? You know, for me, I kind of, uh, I remember sitting there, and I've, I've said this a bunch of times, I've, uh, because it's such a pivotal moment in my life. I, I remember sitting there in the East River with my guy I grew up with my whole life, big skater kid. And, you know, he looked at me on September 12th, and he said, what are we going to do? And, and I remember I looked at him, I said, fucking kill whoever did this. And that's what I said. Retribution. Yeah, and I and he just looked at me. I remember he was just like, we'll be all right, bro. Get through this or something. No. And I was like, really meant it. And that's yeah. when I started thinking about joining the military. So you know, retribution. Retribution. Which is, again, you know, you, you, you talked about some of your, your early life and uh, some of the people finding God and Christianity. Mm-hmm. That's not a Christian-like thing to think about retribution in that moment, I guess. For some that was people. the first thing I thought. I remember when he asked me that question, it just kind of rolled off the tongue because, once again, I think I just didn't, you know, I just was afraid of being I, a victim. I understand that. Yeah. I guess uh, the uh, you know retro going from uh, being a lineman, living your you know you probably had some sort of freedom in your life. I guess. Yeah. Oh yeah. You're Make doing money. your own thing, doing your own business. Now you're gonna you're gonna leave all that. And and chase retribution after this traumatic event going through uh going through basically one of the you know biggest terrorist attacks that the country's ever suffered. Yeah. And your your answer to that is leaving everything behind and seeking retribution. Yeah, I remember uh you know, it's interesting being back here in San Diego. Uh I was like watched the Bud students yesterday, kinda out on the beach and okay. I had my son and my daughter with me. And uh took them out in the ocean, we got in and it was cold. And I just, man, I just sat on the beach and I was just thinking about, I remember showing up there, I felt like so inadequate. You know, I didn't have the normal trajectory of a lot of guys. You know, it wasn't something I've been what, training for my whole life. What's the normal trajectory for a lot of the well, guys? A lot of guys, there. like it's what they wanted to do their whole life. They're this, they're, you know. And this is, you know, this is pre, well, you know, the SEALs were known, you know, but it's yeah, not. Yeah, it was quiet. I didn't know what they were. I actually, like, initially, uh, I got, like, I guess recruited in the sense a guy kind of pulled me out of the line and showed me a video. Okay. And I like the video worked. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what Clearly. Was it, what was in that video? CJ Crocus doing like flutter kicks with nut huggers on. Oh yeah, that's a <laughs> shit. That has some shit in his hair, like a shit in the. Yeah, the, the, he, just, the, the, he was like in the what? desert or something. He's like, but they showed people coming out of the swamps and all. You know, it was all the eighty yeah, yeah. stuff, Vietnam the kind of cool stuff. Cool shit and, that you you never got to do, probably. No, I was looking at that. I was like, man, I could do that. Like, yeah. These are the Navy SEALs. I was like, sweet. At this point, you just leave your business behind. Yeah, well, what had happened was the economy. The economy fucked. Bombed. Bombed. And all building in New York City, like, ended. And I was, in, I was like, low guy in the totem pole as a subcontractor for... So you really basically didn't have any choice, in a way, I guess. No, no. I mean, I guess I could have, like... Figured it out. Tried to figure it out, but I was just so... I mean, that... It's funny because I just look back. I'm like, man, that really had an impact on me, and I don't think I realized it. I think I just had already done so many things at this point in my life. I just kind of got really like focused on wanting to do something. Yeah. I just didn't want my story to end. Like I come back and I just like kind of, yeah, that was terrible, and I'm on the news crying or whatever. You uh, you decide to join the military. A recruiter steps uh, pulls you out, shows you a video with a bunch of dudes doing somersaults and. Uh, swimming in the water and coming out of a swamp, throwing Basically. tomahawks and shit like that. You're, yeah. you're, and you're like, this mass matches my path to retribution that I set forth uh, yeah. on that pier. You know, what's the heck you go through 
you go through the selection process. Yeah, I mean, I showed up. I went to uh, I went to boot camp, and I remember like getting to boot camp and thinking like, what have I done? Like these like because well, it was boot camp was a bunch of nerds. Like it was like a bunch of like nerd people, and and I was like. I had been training so hard, and I didn't really know how to train. I, you know, I There's had a, to learn how to swim. I had it's to, not like, like now where they have like a book out and no, like a like YouTube I, uh, no. channel, or you could go through the experience before you go there. It's none of that no. shit. You're just like, yeah. do I run? Do I do you know Rocky Balboa shit? And I was, I was running through the hood like carrying a rock. Like I was, I was laughing. I was telling my daughter, I was like, man, I remember like the biggest thing for me was to order like the boots. Like oh. I had to have the boots, and so I got the boots, and I had a pair of camouflage pants. I got like the Goodwill or something, and I would like go out and train. I'd run through the hood, like, and I just would, you know, I was working three jobs at the time, and I really wanted to like at the time, like I just really wanted to like defend my country. Like the war had started, I started getting glued into the news and all those kind of things, and and so. When I showed up at boot camp, I was like really focused. And then I got to boot camp and that was like the most boring thing like I'd ever Navy boot camp is like the hardest part is like just just not, ironing your underwear. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're going through that, you're like, uh, this is probably not the place for me. Yeah. This is uh I made a mistake. Yep. That's what I thought. You went through that and then you get access to that uh that buzz training. Yeah. Now, there's been a lot of recent controversy around buds. Yeah. Uh, specifically the dangers of that training. You know, yeah. I, I've not gone through that myself. I've gone through some retarded training in Mexico where people shot AK-47s around my head to, to simulate realism, and I can't hear out of this ear. Um, and if you want to talk about dangerous training, I, I can I could point you the way to some shit like that. But you know, what's what's uh, like, what was your experience of going through, uh, buds? You know, I actually saw the guys out there yesterday, kind of going through, and I was like really reflecting on that. And you know, training has to be dangerous. Uh, because the thing is, as you know, combat's dangerous, war's dangerous, and the implications of uh, of not being prepared for that are deadly for the rest of the individuals that are around you, your team. So people don't realize that if there is somebody there that is being allowed to go through or standards are lowered for one individual, that individual could be a danger to the rest of the individuals, basically. Yeah, well, the, here's the thing is that it's like it's 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 ultimately identifying the individual that can overcome their own physical and mental pain, you know, uh, and, and continue on and endure in the face of any and all obstacles. And so to get to that place, it takes, well, like the program that I run, it takes pressure and time. And so, you know, societies, you know, psychologically wants to remove struggle and they want to remove uh, a Dang. difficult day. They want to make it easier, but they don't realize in the long run they're going to kill people, yeah. more people. And the first time that you get exposed to that, you know, you don't want to be figuring it out right there. Yeah. Uh, right there in that moment, like, uh-oh, I wish that they hadn't canceled that block yeah. and we all got to sleep all day and eat popcorn. Yeah. You know, and look at people die in training, and that's just the way, you know, it's unfortunate. And the families, and they don't, you're going to kill people. You're training to go around the whole world to yeah. kill other human beings. Yeah, homicide is part of that. Uh, is part of is yeah. part of the, the in the worst places. Like your sole purpose, we can do the flag, we can do all the things, we can do all the stuff, and have the parades or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's about putting red dots on people. That's what it's ultimately about. And so, to be the person that gets to that level, to be able to execute, it has to be danger. It has to be danger, because you're living a life of danger. So for you, going through that process, did you go through that? Was that one time going through it? Yep. 
first, first yeah, yeah, went through first, I, first try, first try, went through everything. Now, I, now question about that time, that time of uh, in the history, because I imagined, I don't, I don't mean standards, but I imagine they were taking more people than they used to take during a wartime setting. Did you see? Uh, did, do you experience like a? Like how the people that were there were there people there that normally or historically wouldn't be there? Was there a change in that uh, <sighs> dynamic as far as who, who was being? Uh, I think like, like you get the Hollywood crowd now. In my opinion, this yeah. is just my opinion, but I think you get the Hollywood crowd because you know the Navy SEALs, the fanfare, the ops, the stuff—they're on the TV, the History Channel, like—and then you watch that stuff and you, and and it sells it to you. The difference with me is I I was there because I I was at the World Trade Centers. Yeah. I didn't have any like I didn't want to like book deal. I wasn't trying to do this. Retribution. Yeah, I wasn't. Trying to, I, would, I just wanted retribution. And, and, and the people around you going through it with you were they, you know, kind of on the same boat? Were they I feel people? like they were. I feel like a lot of the guys that I went through with. Um, I think one of the things, you know, we had 157 guys that we started with. We graduated 13 original guys. We have some rollbacks and stuff in our class. Thirteen, like, yeah, thirteen original. That death number. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which, yeah, it was the death number. The death number. Yeah, uh, and, and and the people that went with you through through that, who like, who are they? Like, are they like? I ask this because a lot of people, I don't know, like, I don't, I don't, I don't think a lot of people know what type of individuals make it through, or specifically in that time, you know, these anybody are, can make it through that wants to. Okay, I've always said that because I feel that like. The difference with me was that I already experienced a lot of hardships in my life, a lot. And so when I went there, it was a hardship, and it was the hardest training you know, in the world. And, but I had already experienced a pretty hard life at that point, and so I was prepared for that. A lot of guys came in, they had gone to college, their parents bought them a car, you know, they like... Yeah, you know, like uh, their dad was a congressman or something. I, they, a lot of uh, uh, guys showed up that had kind of this like primrose path that were able to, you know, they had all the tools. They played football. They're a star in Texas. Everybody like loved them. Like I came from a place where like yeah, there was none of that. Yeah, like, yeah, zero. <laughs> and uh, and and so I had already become my own cheerleader. So when guys were feeling, it's like combat. I'll equate it to combat. So like the guys that experiencing their first hardships of that magnitude in training, you don't want to be feeling your first hardship in, in an actual real world war scenario where where all of a sudden you're like, whoa, what is this? This is I can't breathe. I can't catch my breath. Like, I'd like I. Where is everybody? Like, yeah. what's going on? I'm piss on myself to get warm a little bit. Exactly. It's like, and so you need to experience that first. And I think like. You know, if human beings could just get back to really rediscovering what we're capable of outside what we think we're capable of, we could get more work done. You know, for me, like, uh, you know, like thinking back on my own experiences and uh, my youth and how it ended, uh, I think rites of passages, you know, are kind of missing in our society in a way. I mean, for that, for you, that was... uh, initiation basically into whatever was happening after that you know yeah. and a lot of people just don't go through that you know because we want to keep our kids safe we don't want them to go into the woods with a knife and come back with a fucking bear bear skin on their back you know that's that's mm. not that's not what a good parent does right uh so you you go through buds uh you make it 13 death number interesting you know i'm into numerology myself that's an interesting number Come out of that now. What's what's next for you coming out of that? You know, um, 
I got out, you know, went to went to medic school in Fort Bragg and did all that. Got to my first team, and uh, you know, I did a couple deployments there. And at this at this point in my life, like I, man, I haven't like thought about this stuff in a while. It's funny. Um, I was like really still not. I wanted to do more. Yeah, you, you, you. I wanted to do more. Like I didn't feel like when you get over there, like it was like we were doing enough. You 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 were what, what was roundabout way? What, what were some of the tasks that you were given? Yeah, so I got there? I went to SDV Team One. Okay. Uh, so out in Hawaii. So I and then I went to miniature submarine school. So I piloted mini subs, and then we did a national tasking, uh, which is about all I can say about that. Cool. But uh, I was blown away to be a part of that. And yeah. Then I, Augmented damn neck uh, for a deployment, and and then I wanted to, you know, I wanted to continue on with my career and screen and all the things. And then I ran into the politics. I'd made E six, and uh, you know I was up for chief, and all these other things started happening. And so I ended up getting out, um, and you I said, got out bitterly. You, I would say I was bitter about. You it. deployed two times. Yep. Did you know the second time was your last? No, oh. because it, because it was like. Uh, you know, it was an incredible experience, and I got to do a lot of things, and I was, you know, awarded, and all all the things that went down with that. When you stop, you, you come back from this. I ask this a lot to people that go and deploy because of this whole aspect of acceptance that you are out. You know, you're not going to go back, uh, or that you are. You know, people come back from that uh, first second deployment, and they, you know, something happens, it ends for you. Um, I wanted to stay. See, I wanted to go screen and continue on. And I had a, I had a, just a real jerk of a, of a master, which I'm thankful for him because I'd probably, yeah, because I would have never got out. Uh, I would have stayed until I died, you know. Were you seeking death? No, I don't think so. I was just seeking like retribution. Well, you know, there's a, it's a, that's a, that's a two sided dagger, retribution, yeah. you know? Yeah. You know, I asked that because, you know, uh, I uh, when I got into my career, I was uh, looking to make a difference in the bullshit that was going on around yeah. me. You know, I was looking for retribution after the first of my friends was killed, yeah. and then the second, and then the third, and then the fifth, and then the sixth, and then the eighth, and then the ninth, and then I had to tell a few widows that they were widows, and it just became all I all I was about was retribution and. Then I realized that I was actually seeking a bullet for myself to be free of all of it, basically. Mm. And I didn't have the balls to do that myself. So when I talk about yeah. uh, when I talk about seeking death, I mean, sometimes we don't know that that's what we're looking for. But you were basically looking to find uh, find your way back there as many times as you could to do what you could. To yeah, I wanted to keep on going. And so for me, I like... You know, I ended up getting in the contract world. I went over; it was CIA contractor. You know, uh, did uh, built in the interim. I did some stuff. I was on the ambassador's detail in Iraq, so I picked up a couple contracts doing that. And so, you know, I did thir- between you know my time in the SEAL teams and that, I did thirteen deployments. That's a, uh, yeah, another thirteen. But I, uh, um, yeah, and so I, I kept going back. I kept going back, and then I like lost sight of what I was even doing. Like, just I, lo- I just, I just, you lost sight of what you're doing, or lost sight of yourself, myself. 
You're like, uh, you're yeah. like, who the fuck am I? Doing yeah, I just this? became like, I was just, because, you know, you're just going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth constantly. What's, what's, uh, what's home life like? Is there a home life? No. There's nobody. No. There's nothing. It was terrible. Like, I mean, I was married, you know, I've been with my wife for, let's see, we, we've been together for 15 years and married for 10. That's beautiful. Uh, well, it wasn't beautiful. It sounds yeah. beautiful. It's uh, <laughs> Well, well, what were you doing in those 15 years? Yeah, yeah, it's we beautiful. just we just had our fifth kid. It's beautiful. Yeah, uh, you know, I always look at where you are now. You know, uh, yeah, I was a, so you were doing going back to just a strong woman, by the way, wherever she is. Yeah. You know, um, it was emptiness basically when you went back. There was a lot of that going on. Yeah, because in that world, you come back, you're home for like forty days, forty five days. And then right when things start to get kind of, we're so happy you're home, I'm yeah. gone again. Okay. And as a matter of fact, I've never been through a, a trimester, a first trimester with any of my children. None. And I was, and then I, I mean, there was times I left two weeks after they were born. You would, you would go back home. Uh, what was your, how did you cope going back home? Like, cause I, for me, like I asked this, like for me going back home, like I would be gone for two years and not come back. Yeah. And, and I didn't have a lot of people waiting for me. Um, when I would go back, I would find excuses to hide and or not uh, confront shit or oh, yeah. talk to people. And for me, it was alcohol, a bottle of mezcal about that big to start off, you know, and the rest of it was margaritas, you know, as I walked myself into a very peaceful slumber, just a drunken death. Mm. What was that for you? I think for me it was that I was, um, it wasn't really alcohol or anything like that. I think I just lived in like a, I worked out super hard. I trained super hard. I always box. I stay in shape. I always had a mindset like I was going back. So, so like the home was about like having sex, like having some, going out to eat, having beers, doing the thing. But I was really hyper focused on leaving again. Yeah. So we basically you were like one, one foot home, but the other one exactly. is already, it's already ready to bolt. Yeah. And also like, uh, I guess for me, because I, I went through the whole, uh, I, I did it, I, I didn't fight training myself and I would go into the gym and do all that and run like an animal for, you know, whatever amount of time. You know, I grew up Catholic, so I know what self-flagellation is, you know, <laughs> and I know that uh, we, we torture and punish ourselves in different ways. Uh, do you think there was an aspect of that uh, as far as you trying to you know, exert yourself or prepare yourself or sharpen yourself like a stick to go back as you were supposed to be enjoying, you know, the, the slowdown. Was yeah, that- I mean, I, there is no slowdown. 45 days is not enough to come home and then like to kind of reintegrate. And so I just kept doing that up until um, 2014. That is, that is some time. How are your knees? I'm actually good. I have two blown meniscuses or whatever, but you know, whatever. One's from a horse rack, the other one's training and stuff but like i uh yeah i just kept doing it until 2014 and then 13 deployments yep and then politics you start losing yourself and everything you're just find no no motivation to stay on and you just no no i got in a huge gunfight and uh buddy was killed and um just the whole the way the thing went down it just kind of i was just done was was the so I don't want, I don't, I don't want to touch on what happened, but uh, was the process... It was a the- meat grinder, let me tell you. Like, it was, it was intense. It was one of the most intense... It was probably, like, top three most intense thing I've ever experienced in my life. 
what about it made it a moment or a situation for you to quit after that? Well, I stayed on. I finished the deployment. I got home on Christmas Eve. And uh, I was really like, I think I was just burned out. I had seen and I was just, I was just burned out. I didn't even know what I was doing anymore. It became a job to me. Uh, and, and then I realized I was just nothing more than just a tool. I was just a hammer. Like I was used, like they, the people, I remember, you know, this guy was dead. Three people were wounded severely and we were pinned down in a, in a house, six story house, like, you know, went in there and, and guys had gotten a V bed went off, blew the front of the house off. It was like the safe house. This whole thing went down. I remember I was like getting coffee. I got back at like six o'clock in the morning and, uh, covered in blood like you know the, you know the deal and so <clears throat> i was getting coffee and this lady's like walks up to me like this intel analyst and it's like is that you guys i was trying to sleep last night you guys are making so much noise with those trucks outside my chew no holy shit and i remember i just like looked at her and i was just like i just realized that i'm nothing you're nothing i'm nothing you're nothing you're you're and i got the cool tactical stuff i got the cool pants and the sneakers and the stuff and the sunglasses the gators you know whatever yeah but i just realized like and then i realized like well like through all the things that we were doing on the tactical side of that job. And I was like, what are we doing? Yeah. And then, you know, you look at what happened in Afghanistan, you know, the pullout and all the things, and it just goes to show you nothing. Nothing. It didn't matter. Nothing. Uh, you know, I had, a, I had a moment like that myself, like uh, going through horrible shit, you know, just being covered in other people's faces that you knew, you know. Mm -hmm. Like uh, I remember be sitting in the Red Cross uh uh, with a paramedic uh, walking up to me and doing this to my hair and pulling out a piece of a molar. And I knew that molar was a friend of mine's because it had a filling in there, you know? Mm. And, uh, you know, that shit stays obviously with you for a while. The smell, the, the sounds, all that shit kind of like... Why all the war? Uh, why, so, why so much... People are not against you, just they're for themselves. And that is at the core of most of human nature. And I think uh, some people foster that. And uh, you know, some people forget that we're, in the end, uh, we're all about the same thing, you know. I don't know. Uh, did you, you talk about the pullout and uh, what happened, uh, you know, seeing that uh, 0911 uh, plane flying off with some people hanging out, which is pretty interesting yeah. coincidence. Again, numerology going on there, right? You know, it's not um, a coincidence. You know, you, ha you have this plane taking off, and uh, I had some friends out there, some Marine friends out there that were killed uh, during the pullout. Uh, some people I met uh, during my time going through my immigration process in Pendleton. Um, you know, young kids. You know, you know, yeah. people, people like you, they're like they were motivated. They're like, we're doing some shit. We're doing, making a difference, and. Uh, they're gone, you know? They're yeah. gone fleeing uh, a, a place that was being held. And, uh, you know, I, I still, like, ask people, you know, the, what it feels like, that, that uh, futility of it, uh, what it feels like. Because I feel, I feel it every day, you know? Like, I went through my own weird-ass war, and I... You asked me what I what we did, and I was like, we bought some time. That's about it. That's you know? about it. Yeah. You know, you bought some time for some people to do some things, and uh, then you were sent on your way, and you know, 
on our end, and we're fucking, you know, nobody can say shit about us. You look at the real impact of war now, I mean, like, it can't be understated, like, what it's not just into, um, and look at it's not going away. No. Okay, it's only no. going to increase and become no. more sophisticated, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you, I mean, we're sitting on the sidelines of it now, you know, mm -hmm. we're doing our own thing now, as a, a, the, our, living our afterlife is what I like to call it, you know? Uh, and then uh, I have two guys that went off in uh, the Ukraine to train some some people out there as far as medical management and shit like that. Um, I have friends of mine that are going out and doing you know uh, their own you know life path and going off to war and looking at me and saying like, hey, yeah, you did your shit and like oh, I see all these guys doing their things and they're they're back and they're like they seem like solid people. Yeah, it's expensive. It's an expensive fucking road, you know. Mm. Just be sure about whatever you're gonna do out there. Now, you come back with those experiences. Uh, you were already a independent man with a trade, you know, uh, going, running into a, a building that just went down with a teacher over your face. Now you have even more trade skills, you know. Bankable trade skills, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I no. I mean, like, yeah, I guess actually I thought about going back to line school and yeah. I kind of wasn't sure. I just knew I was done. Yeah. And I just, I was done. I didn't want to wear the clothes. I didn't want to do tactics. I didn't want to do, I just was done. I was done. Everything off. And that's Everything. why, like, even today, you know, it's like I'm not, like, I always make the joke. I'm like, I'm not in the cool vet club because I don't you still don't, you don't, dress up as a vet and do all the things. You don't like, want to, you don't want to. I don't wanna, play dress up anymore. Yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't do any of the things. Like, I'm not, like, sitting there going. You don't go to the range and, you know, put on some of that shit. No, oh, dude, check me out. Like, I got this. I, I just, I'm just, I'm not. I've moved You're, far beyond my life. For that. And listen, it took me a while because that was my whole identity. Yeah. And then everybody That's you get a, around, all your friends, everybody that gets around you. And so. You know, when you get so, into this identity projection. So when you say that was your identity, you get out of it, you strip the skin off yeah. of this. You yeah. take off your skull, you know. You uh, you put your spear on the wall, you know, whatever that was. And then you come back, and most of the people around you want to talk about the skin you had on. Oh, my God. Is, does that, is that uh, correct kind of... It's not even just about talking about it. It's about like, you know, I think about a huge amount of time in my life I was involved in the special operations community. And then and then you get out and it's like over. Yeah. Like just like I'm done. And then I'm just sitting there like, okay. Like, man, it's taken me to get to where I am today as a person. It's taken me an immense amount of time uh, to – of self-work to get there. And so that's really started the spiral in my life. I, my life started spiraling once I got out. When you say spiraling, for the negative, <laughs> were you lost? Were you, you basically, was I that? I was lost. Was, yeah. that, was, that, uh, was that your uh, Jesus in the desert moment? Pretty much, yeah. What type of devils showed up to talk to you and what did they offer? Uh, you know those devils? <laughs> Everything, drugs. Alcohol. Now, you know, so would you yeah. say would you say drugs? Like, like. Well, I mean, I hate to like call it like a, a drug or whatever, you know. But like, I mean, I smoked a lot of pot, I drank a lot of beer. Yeah, like, yeah. I just like I, I hung out, I worked out. I mean, I wasn't a slob or anything like that. But I was like, I was depressed. Yeah, I was depressed because I had lost all realization of who I was as a person. Like, your, I, I mean, I was like hitting rock bottom. Your, ide your identity was my marriage fell apart. 
completely fell apart. Like here I am, I made it home, yay! You're, and then you're just, supposed to be happy because and then it, it just. Spun but you're out supposed of to be happy because you made it through that shit alive. You came out of this shit. Why aren't you fucking happy? Why aren't yeah. you celebrating with us, dude? It's miserable. Why aren't you celebrating? Why are you talking about some of that shit that went on? Yeah. Why Why don't you want to share what's going on? Why are you quiet? Why are you fucking drinking? Why are you doing this shit? Why are you hiding from me? All that mm-hmm. shit hadn't started yeah. happening for you. Yeah. Uh, you know, marriages. Like I, I, I have one failed marriage behind me. I yeah. think I don't know. If, I don't know if I'll go oh, go through it again. You know. But and and, and for yeah. me, it happened exactly. At the end of my career, you know, as yeah. I was trying to figure what the fuck I was going to do with all this weird ass fucking experience that I just went through. Right. Yeah. Like, hey, Ed, you want to go through all this training? Oh, yeah. Fuck it. I want to be the best at it. Yeah. Fuck it. Go through this. Go to that. Go to fucking Coronado. I trained with some of you guys for a bit. Fucking did all the training I did. It ends for me. Now what? The, now what the fuck am I going to do? Right. Mm-hmm. That was the worst. That ended my marriage. It's a change in pressure like that. You know, you go from a, I said it in one of the little short films that we've done, but I said, you know, you go from such a high pressure environment to such a no pressure environment that I think that change can kill you. Yeah. I I know it can kill you. Yeah. And uh, it, fortunately, what had happened for me was that, you know, I'd moved to Montana and uh, I'd had, I think I did like two more trips. We had moved to Montana. I did like two, two more deployments. And, uh, I didn't know one soul out there. Nobody. I didn't have a friend. I didn't know anybody. I just cold turkey moved everybody out there. You know, pregnant wife, bikini, like barbecue grill strap. How many kids? How many kids? How many kids at this point? I think we had. She would two, and then she was pregnant. Uh, And I just, I just got a house on Craigslist and just moved out there. A house on Craigslist in Montana, and and just drove out there. Did you do any research? Not really. (laughs) Like, and it just, it was best decision I ever made in my life, though. But Um, I, uh, I ended up meeting some. I ended up meeting, I went on a hiking trip with my daughter, who's actually here with me. She, uh, I took on a hiking trip, and I met these cowboys uh, out in the backcountry with horses and stuff like that, and ended up inviting me while I was on this hiking trip. Marlboro Man. Mal- yeah. The Marlboro Man dude just like a They were horse. out there packing, and I, and, I, and I ended up meeting these guys, and they invited me back to the ranch, and you know, those guys were real pieces of shit. Okay, um, but they're exactly what I needed at that point in my life. What do you? When you say they're pieces of shit, like they're just you... shysters and crooks, oh, like yeah. just of the, the worst the kind. Fucking criminal, Every, the criminal shysters, horse trading, stealing, fence cutting, boozing, drink, all the things. It actually catered to me very well in the sense that, like, they were just real tough. They were just. If they were like the nicest like wallflowers I'd ever met, and we're like, let's just like yeah, yeah, pet these. You things wouldn't believe them. I wouldn't have yeah, hung yeah, out. The, yeah. These guys were, these guys were were rough. And so the one first thing I learned was I started shooting horses for this guy, and you know horses have have now been a part of my my life for you know ten years. So and that, was that your introduction to just basically working with them? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've 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 crossed eighteen wildernesses on a horseback, wild mustangs. You know, uh, what's uh, what's that realization when you like uh, you know, saddle your first horse, you know, it's independently from everybody else, and just fucking get on and go out? What's that? What's what 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 that? What, what about? Well, it was that? in the present moment because at the time I was scared. 
uh, because what? I'd been bucked off and kicked. And I, these guys had they had hundreds of horses, all right. And so they're like, they used to be like, "Come on, Navy Seal, get on that horse." And they, I could barely ride, and they'd be putting me on these horses. <laughs> I would be be getting power bombed constantly by various horses. So you were fucking in survival mode, basically, constantly. <laughs> but the thing is, I kept coming back because I liked it. Fucking a, right? survival mode. I, I would come back and I would have like, I would be like, man, I had survived a thing. Yeah. And so what happened was it started. Uh, the, you know, that I started working and I was with them all the time. And then, uh, it just, uh, it kept me in, uh, it kept me outside of my, from my own demons, you know, that I was facing. And then it, it helped me learn about myself. Was it, uh, basically now you can't focus on your own shit because you focus on this animal. It doesn't want Absolutely. to kill you. <laughs> Absolutely. And plus it's not like I had like the best like training. I didn't have any training program. Basically they got on, showed me some things. And, like <laughs> then they put me on horses that they needed ridden because they were selling them. So I'd be like, they'd be like, let's ride. I mean, I'd be three minutes into it. I remember one time I was just like, I had been riding for like four days. Like, and this guy, now I've been training horses and all the things. Like, I would never put a human being with no experience on a horse like this. I remember I just was going through a brush one time and I already hit the ground like four times that day. (laughs) And of course, so I'm like terrified. I'm like pinching onto the thing, you know, like, and we're going through this like little ditch. I remember this lady was like, I dropped my water bottle. She was like behind us. And I like turned around the opening like this and this horse. The only thing I remember was looking at like the blue sky and then like looking up, you know, and I like landed in the bridge and knocked the wind out of me, you know. Shit. And uh <clears throat> so it didn't have to be that hard. Uh, you know, but but, but it it had to be probably for you, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean it had to be. It didn't yeah. have to be that hard, but for you. For me, that was, that's what I needed. That's and, what you, you know, needed. So many now, after training so many horses over the years, just like wild Mustangs and all the things I've done, it's not that way anymore. You know, I have a relationship with them that is it's profound. Did you basically have to crash into it to then kind of reconstruct it, and now you're walking into it basically professionally trying to figure out well, these One horses. guy, actually, an old cowboy, like who was a mentor to me, is like, this doesn't have to be this way. Yeah, he's he's like, there's a different way. And, you know, he started really, you know, teaching me and and on the journey of creating my foundation that I have now. um, So so when is this, uh, you know, when is this idea of these horses and this this, this journey you're going on with these horses, these criminal chaster people? Which is great. great. I, I love that. It's like they have their place sometimes. In the they world. have their place. I, listen, I'm thankful for those guys. I wouldn't be where I am today if I hadn't met those crooks. There's, 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 <laughs> there's, 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 there's always a need. Uh, you're going through this process trying to figure out fear. I guess, I guess fear is familiar. That's a great thing to feel survival mode familiar to you, but in a different context now. It's more focused, more purpose uh, full on this animal that you're trying to figure out. Yeah. What does that com- can turn into like a... Well, I think this is my, this is my next, uh, my next thing. Like one moment, what, what was that moment like? Well, I had some friends that were like hurting and I brought them out and, uh, I did like a trip with them in the mountains. When you say they're hurting. Team guy buddy and a special forces buddy of mine got shot. What's their pain like? Like what is their pain? Isolation in the basement and come out for six months. Taliban's coming, you know, this is CIA's watching them, all, all the things. Uh, Alcohol. So pe- pe- people... You know, for people Pills. that do, people that know don't know uh, what that's like, uh, uh, self isolation is one of the first uh, kind of symptoms of somebody suffering from the basic problem of reintegration to a society after going through a war type setting. I guess is kind of like the way I kind of look at it. Uh, these people won't understand. 
Like, they work there. Like, what the fuck am I going to talk to Courtney about? She's going to want to talk about her cats. Fuck that. I'm just going to fucking be quiet. My sister's going to try to ask me about this bullshit, and I'm trying to figure out this stuff. So we start cutting people out of our lives, basically, and we start fucking self-isolating, right? 100%. And then you're you're stuck on survival mode, which has been basically your default setting for all this time out there. Now you're here, and you can't focus on the Taliban, but you can focus on that weird fucking van that's outside that's been idling for a bit too much. Or a dude in the corner that seems kind of shady or maybe they're listening to my phone calls and it's paranoia, basically a psychosis of a sort. Mm-hmm. And then you add pills to that or marijuana or a bunch of other fucking substances that it just fucking amps up. The, 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 sometimes the medicine turns into a poison if you use it too much is kind of Absolutely. the way I've heard it. Yeah. So you have friends like that who are struggling and uh, they reach out to you or you reach out to them. Um, yeah, they reached out to me. And a matter of fact, my buddy's wife reached out to me and knew I was like working with horses. And so I, uh, can I send you my? Can I send you this mother? Well, they were my they were my homies, you know. Can, so can they I, can they came up and and we had like you know the worst experience ever. Basically, we spent like eight days or ten days or something in the back country, and what, man, it was snowing and the horses were tough and we had like minimal experience and we're you know grizzly bears and all the things that you know happen out where we live uh in the mountains with horses and man when we got done we had like, grizzly bears grizzly bears oh, yeah. that's uh I don't know. we we killed and ate all the animals that could kill you here in mexico there's not <laughs> maybe there's a few jaguars running around so like but a grizzly bear like fuck yeah uh so you have your guys out there yeah we have like we have an incredible experience like when that, that's when i started realizing that I had basically been getting it all wrong and that it's ultimately struggle that gives everything in life value and teaches us about who we are as individuals. And so, you know, we, you know, people ask me like, you know, they think that there's some kind of like business plan or some kind of thing or some kind of marketing scheme to get to where I am and all the stuff. And it's not, it's been my own personal journey to free myself from myself. Yeah. It's, it's ultimately, you know, my life had become just orders of magnitude of my own inner conversations with myself. So you take these guys out there, you know, you say, you, you talk about it being like a very hard situation and experience for them. Um, I remember going through my own shit and people wanted to take me out doing a fucking orchard somewhere and meditate or some bullshit like yeah. that, which is, yeah. you know, it's functional. But for somebody that like us that are hardwired to do crazy shit in crazy places and run around and do all these things and all of a sudden be put into a cage of a sort. See, so, I'm there now, which is interesting that you said that so because, but, because I'm there. If you had come to me and said, hey, I want to take you out to an orchard and we're going to like meditate. Right? Yeah. I would have you probably attacked you. you, were, like, you I don't ready know. For, I would have attacked you. You weren't ready for that shit. <laughs> it's a demon. Like, uh, but now if you said to me, hey, let's go out to an orchard and meditate, I'd be like, Great, let's go. But can we eat the fruit? Yeah, but probably you probably could you probably couldn't have done that as soon as you got back though. No. So. I had to go through the hero's journey, right? I had to come back home. See, experiences are vehicles that lead us to the truth of who we are. And and so, but we become the victims of experience. See, we give all experience feeling, right? So so for instance, you know, I could look at the I could look at the ocean. I could sit there and be like, "This morning, I was watching the sunrise. I sat out there, and and was watching the waves. I'm like, the ocean is absolutely beautiful, and so it is." Or I could look at the ocean and say, "What if I went in there and drowned? Or there's sharks in there that rip me apart, and I'm afraid of the same ocean." So it is. Yeah. See, it's always us. So we look uh, at 
all experiences and then we're the ones that place feelings on them and then they reflect back us on us and then we judge the experience that's a beautiful way to think and, about and it. so like so what i started realizing was like ultimately like we're here in life to participate in creativity See, and you're always creating something positive or you're creating something negative but it's always you and 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 we're governed by our free will and so i was the victim of all my experiences my choices my stuff my marriage my relationship everything but it, ultimately it was just me and to get to that point it takes two key ingredients it takes pressure and time because that's what got you there but pressure no i don't want pressure you don't want pressure so you're taking these guys out there to adding adding the element of pressure and also an extended amount of time out there working with you and horses, basically. Mm. There's danger there. Uh, all their bullshit doesn't matter because there's grizzly bears trying to eat your fucking horses and you. The horse-human relationship can't be understated. It's the predator-prey relationship. And so it, they reflect back who you are in the most honest way. Horses do. And oh. they teach you about what you're not saying. Okay. And so they do that because they're designed to run away from us. Yeah. That's 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 their total design of every living thing. Yeah, the bolt. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you're out there with your with your friends, uh, figuring shit out, yeah. hardship, you know, suffering. But there's a there's a flavor to that that you know they're probably savoring, and probably you're seeing some of that, uh, some of the changes that that kind of brought into who they were before they got there, and now you're there with them out there in the hills, fucking tired as shit. But smiling, probably bullshitting around a campfire, laughing maybe is is what is what I imagine. Yeah, I mean, it, like the program has changed and evolved as I've grown and evolved as a person, and so today it's forty-one days long. And now, forty-one days for somebody—that's a lot. And like, uh, like for somebody like me, like uh, my experiences, somebody says, "Ed, we're going to take you this forty-one day program, so you can figure some shit out." It's like, fuck, that's too long. What are we going to be doing out there? That's scary. I don't want to be alone with my fucking self for two exactly. days trying to figure my shit out. It takes pressure and time. Exactly. Well, that's that's a thing. Like that's scary as fuck for some. If you asked me that shit probably three years ago, four years ago, I would say forty. That's oh, too long. What mm -hmm. are they? What? That's too long with myself. I think the greater like 41 days in the scope of your life, let's say, you know, we live 30,000 days, right? So yeah. until you're about 80. Yeah. And, and 41 days is just a, it's just a tiny little window when it took, let think about my situation, right? Would it take 15 years to get to that place? And then I'm like not willing to give up 41 <laughs> days to do some work to kind of like figure things out. Cause yeah. obviously what I'm doing is not working. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're stuck uh, in cycle where people get stuck in cycles. Like for me, it was yeah. like, uh, I'm just going to stop drinking. I'll smoke weed to figure shit out mm -hmm. to calm myself down. It worked for him. Why doesn't it work for me? Well, I'm hiding behind weed now. It's, uh, it's turning into a problem too. Oh well, let me do this. And you start looking for solutions for other people, but then somebody presents something, somebody, something like you, like a program. You know, let's 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 dedicate forty some days to you and figure some shit out. It's a scary thing to ask somebody like uh, if you if you think about some of the people suffering from some of the issues we're talking about. Uh, being stuck on survival mode means uh, time. There's no time. You know, there's no time. People are running. How am I going? How are you going to cage me up for this amount of time? They got to rewire their brain. You know, yeah. I kind of uh, there's fifty thousand organizations for veterans in North America, and between 2012 and the end of 2020, we spent 92 billion dollars on that. 
and Duke University released a study three weeks ago, four weeks ago. Suicide rates have been underreported by 37% North America, right? So you're looking at, well, it was every 64 minutes. I don't know, you know, what 37% looks like, and I haven't gone that deep in those numbers yet, but I will, because I've been saying for a long time, I'm like, look at, I, between 2005 and the end of 2020, 155,000 guys have killed themselves in a war where 7,000 died. Yeah. That's, and there's 1,500 amputees. 7,000, that's 350 a year for 20 years. That's and, and, and so you're talking about a pandemic of suicide, right? Well, there's 50,000 organizations out there. There's 50,000 of them. What are we doing? Yeah. We're doing, we're helping people to death. We're, we're helping them so much that they die. Yeah. Right. We've taken so much of the key ingredients that we need to, to, to restore the dignity of the human experience away from those people, those individuals in an effort to help them that they never learn to help themselves. And in turn, they become parasitic on institutions. Like it would be like saying this, like if you look at your wife and you think, do I love you or do I only love you because I want to feel love back? Yeah. And so in turn, they fail you and then you judge them because you want them to do something that you yourself can't produce or, or not or currently not producing for yourself. And so you go to these institutions, right? There's, there's this organization, you know, look at shooting Marmons, getting drunk, riding around on side by sides or, or going tubing or, you know, going deep sea fishing with vets and drinking beers and all the things like all this stuff. It's an industrial complex is what it is that has billions and billions and billions of dollars in it. And it doesn't behoove people to, to fix the problem. See, the problem is, is an ancient problem. Yeah. It's old. It's as, it's as old as time. Old you know? as this, time. This old as time. This isn't new. What's, what's changed is that our approach to what it means to be, to have autonomy and create creative ability in our lives. Like, what does that mean for the individual? If we're here, in my belief, to participate in creativity, our choices terraform the world. Everything is always a thought first. Yeah. Right. So it's a direct ancestor. Every action is just a thought. Just a thought, right? So before anything occurs, it's a thought first. So basically what I'm experiencing in my life is from the use or misuse of my own inner conversations with myself. Yeah. Like who are you talking to? You know what? That Betty, I'm gonna that bitch all these years. Fifteen years. She kids that stop. Next thing you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? What did I do? Yeah. You just had a conversation she with yourself. yourself. Yeah. And you lost. Yeah. Right? You talk to the parasite, as they would say. So you take this experience with your friends. You, you start a program. Yeah. You know, can you uh can you talk specifically about this program that you started? Yeah. So I mean like you know, I've, I've, I've got to do podcasts and I've been around and shared like stuff, you know, over the years. And I, and I look back at the person that I was when I started it. Yeah. And ultimately I really started it because I was trying to help myself. Oh yeah. I was completely, you know, cause I, I think about the guys that came. I remember there was like second or third year I had it. I didn't know how much pressure it took because I'm a, I, I'm a person that can withstand a lot. And I think just, I, it's just my nature. And so I used to go, I didn't know how much pressure it took. And I used to, I used to crush people, okay? Yeah. Crush them. I'd put them on the horses, right? I remember we did like a 150-mile ride with these dudes, right? 
Horses were lame or dragging. Like, I mean, guys were sobbing. I rode all, I would ride all through the night. Sometimes, like, because I'm like, I got to get these guys past these combat experiences. (laughs) But really, it was just me. Yeah. And I was just on my own journey. And I, I, guys were, it changed their life. Yeah. But it, but it crushed them in an unnecessary way. And so I started beginning to understand, like, what pressure and time looked like. And so, so basically, you were, that was the clay that you were trying to start. That was the move. clay. That was the clay. That was the clay, and I, I was, I was the clay and the potter at the same time because I was really running for myself. Like at the time, I didn't, I don't know where I'd be if it wasn't for horses and 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 the mountains and all the experiences I've had <coughs> over all these years. But you know, today the program's forty-one days long, and it's forty-one days of no hot showers. It's forty-one days of uh, meditation breath work, 41 days of sauna, 41 days of working out, five to 600 miles on your horses, two Lakota sweat lodges. You walk 80, 90 miles to meals. There's no dairy, no cheese, no honey, no sugar, no, no, no juice. That's right. hard. It's no, a, it, no orange juice, nothing. For, for people that want to think that that is hardship, that is honesty. That's a, that's a physical honesty. It's, that's not hardship. It's just a physical, it's an honesty. And then so, you know, you live in a wall tent, you have an outhouse, you take cold showers, you you start to live like a warrior monk. Uh, for me, like I'm, I haven't been through that program. It sounds fucking amazing. I want to figure that out probably one time in my life. But uh, you should come. Uh, I will figure that out. <laughs> I like horses. Like I, I know how to ride, but not I'm probably not. Some of the dangerous horses will figure it out. <laughs> uh, we don't have the dangerous ones. Kind of, I got to figure that part out early on. Right. <laughs> but uh, comfort is a coping mechanism when we hide behind some of these things. You know, um, yeah. I'll hide by, behind my air conditioned house and I'll fucking hide behind my uh, you know, fruity pebbles or whatever the fuck I'm going to have for a cinnamon toast crunch. I'll hide behind a beer. I'll hide behind. Uh, Okay, I'll go do this retreat out there and na- take the Navy SEAL experience, but I'm going to go back to my hotel and then we're going to probably hit the wing stop or something like that yeah. afterwards. That's, I think what you're, you're describing is, uh, you know, in the past, you know, talking to some of the Kumia Indians that I grew up around or some of the uh, researching some of the native, uh, the native uh, histories here in Mexico. You know, they have this, uh, they used to have this big thing about the coming home of people or when they would go off to battle and what, was, what that was like. And you would imagine it was a celebration or a party or of something of, uh, of a banquet or excesses, but it wasn't. It was basically a scaling down or a calming down. So like a, you would feed the warriors to go out and fight, but when they come back, they would have to lead them down, you know, slow down, chill out. Uh, isolation was part of it some of these uh, cultures, you know, some of these guys coming back from wherever they did. Um, you talk about sweat lodges and what sweat lodges do, do to people, you know, people that haven't experienced a sweat lodge. Can you explain what a sweat lodge is as far as a tool that, uh, and why you're using it as a tool for people? Yeah, I mean, that's something that, once again, came into my life, uh, you know, and, and it was a part of my journey, had a profound impact on me. And uh, the sweat lodge we have is a Lakota sweat lodge. Uh, from the Lakota Sioux, from the Cheyenne Indian Reservation, uh, those folks, um, you know, they have uh, seven sacred rites, which were left uh, carried on by a guy named Black Elk, who was a chief, and he uh, uh, was given these rites of purification, which essentially is the, the dissolving of the self, right? So like Jesus, 40 days and 40 nights, was to dissolve the self so he could get a clearer view of the creator, right, for what he had to do next, uh, 
uh, you know, Plato going into the tomb of Cheops or whatever for seven days and coming out and being reborn or, or the Aleutian mysteries or whatever it is. This or, is basically the shamanic, the shamanic journey of people going into the underworld and coming back. Coming back, right? Which, which the underworld, I believe, is your ego. Yeah, it's definitely. Your, it's yeah, people, your total people ego. It's your under, the underworld is not like a, it's your own ego, which is, uh, it's it's a it's its own mountain. So for people that kind of well, again, like some some people out there might not know what we're talking about, but uh, for somebody like us coming with that much much amount of noise and voices and shit like that, uh, we drown it out by listening to music, drinking, being out there, watching movies, and all that shit. And all of a sudden, you're in a sweat lodge where you can't escape, you can't <laughs> fucking run, you can't. Hey, can I put on my bud? Like your yeah. buzz? No, fuck no. You yeah. sit down. Why? Oh shit! I have to withstand. Like, oh, this is really what's going. Then you go into the underworld. They have the Anipi Wakan, which is a sacred purification ceremony. And then there's four windows, where you know the first window you go through, um, kind of takes you from the physical to the spiritual. That's kind of when you have the you have the mind virus, right? That's going on inside of your head, where you're like, "What am I doing here? Oh my god! Oh god! I can't see this. You can't see anything." And there's a lot of singing and chanting and um, drumming uh, goes on, and it's the heat is very intense, uh, obviously inside of there. And and you, what happens is you can't run away from yourself. No, there's no. There's That's no what it is. It's your there's own no self. There's no escape. No. Uh, and specifically in a place, I mean, it's dark. You know, there's a. I don't know. I don't know specifically. You, know, you explain that the drumming sound, but it does something. That, uh, that the vibrations. The vibration. The the sound. It basically turns into like a baseline, like a baseline for your sensory. It's yeah. a. You know, there's sensory overload and then there's sensory deprivation and somewhere in the middle, that's what that kind of experience is where you can't, you know, you can't escape. Yeah. But you go in, right? Uh, are people freaked out in that position? Yeah, well, they do two of them, one halfway through the program. So by the time they get through the first week of the program. What's that first week like? It's intense. So the first week is like, once again, there's no hot, it's cold in Montana. Yeah. All right, it, so it, in the summertime in June, it's so heating 40 out there? degrees. You don't have a heater out there, like one of those heating lamps out there or something like that? No? It's just cold. And so we the morning ritual, you talked about ritual, and I think that's one thing that's missing with veterans is, well, two things. One is is that they have no ritual anymore. The ritual is to go hang out with your buddies and talk about what you did 20 years ago. Or or um, you have uh, you know, you have no code that you live by. You, you, there's no code. There's no unifying. There's no unifying code. You don't live at all. by any code at all. You you just and so, entered identity projection is an enemy of growth of mankind, and so these guys show up. They've got identities. We all do, right? And we serve those identities, and we hate them. We serve them. We give them time and our energy. We dress up as our identities. Yeah. We go out and we buy products to reinforce our identities. You know, oh, look at that guy's this, this guy's that, that girl's this, right? So we spend our life and our time working to buy products to reinforce the identities that we hate, can't get away from when it's us. And so that first week is really powerful because, you know, the guys are living in wall tents, they got an outhouse, they got to walk 1.2 miles down just to meals. So they'll walk, you know, 80, 90 miles just to meals back and forth in, in 4.30 in the morning. And that's a ritual. That's a part of the. That's the it's start just of the silence. Ritual. They're in the ranch. They're in the middle of nowhere. There's nothing out there. There's no lights. They're just in the mountains, and so they'll walk down alone. And then, 
you know, it's about reconnecting and realigning with your mind, your body, and your spirit. So it's it's we got a fitness program. They they do you know time in the sauna every day, uh, cold plunge, and then cold showers, workout, meditation, breath work, and then at seven o'clock in the morning, that starts the day. So by the time seven o'clock in the morning rolls around, they've already like lived a lifetime, right? Uh, and then and then it's all horses, horsemanship, you know, the horse human relationship. So they'll they'll learn about that. They're given a horse and a mule. They'll go through some of the best training I think in the country as it pertains to horses. The level of training these guys get is unbelievable. Wow. So like by the third day they're learning to lope, you know, like they're learning to 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 rain. They're really learning the aspects of reining, and that just continues on through the whole program. And so then they'll head into the wilderness for uh, seven days into the backcountry. Then we're all back. the seven is there. Cool. Yes, seven days out. Yeah. So then they'll come back and then they'll do a sweat lodge, and they'll work. Then they'll continue the horsemanship. So they'll learn farriers, blacksmithing. Okay, I, I don't see any uh, individualized thing. In you're, you're describing everything. Where's the individual in all of this? Yeah. What, what about what? What about me? Like. Is yeah. anybody going to treat me special? Am I going to be uh, no special treated different, differently? Can I no. get my me time? Uh, can There's I... 49,999 can... organizations if you want to get treated special. <laughs> you owe yourself. We, we get this idea that the world owes us something. Yeah. And that you know the military owes us something or the VA owes us something. Or That's, that, that's, a, that, that's an interesting thing. You owe yourself. The... Like for me, there was a struggle when I when I ended my job, that career I had, where you know I felt like okay, it's thankless, you know nobody uh, isn't there was no you know parade or hey thank you for everything, it was me resigning and leaving, and uh, there was no there was no clear delineated ending to that, and also I mean I you know my job was a a cop in Mexico. We're all corrupt. We're all pieces of shit. We're all on the take. We're all horrible people. Uh, I've been called everything from a uh, torturer, a uh, sicario for one of any cartel out here. Like uh, all that negative shit, uh, obviously dumped on on top of you. And that feeling of just basically, what the fuck? I what did I did? This? What why would I why would I do this again? Or why did I do this? And this whole aspect of uh, abandonment in a way, you know. Mm-hmm. Because when that job ends, the phone calls stop uh, coming in, and nobody's uh, you know you're not you don't matter anymore. Basically, you have this weird abandon, abandonment uh, type uh, situation going on with you. But the thanklessness of it, you know, and and the feeling of the feeling like hey, somebody should be doing something for me, or what's the reward? Why do I feel like shit after this job? You know, that's an interesting aspect of it. The the, the feeling of what do I get? You know? Yeah, I think. Do, do you guys have the suicide rates and stuff like that here? Is yeah, like, people... I, I've, uh, you know, I, uh, I was talking to you about the fact that I had thirty people come through in the generation of the that I came out of with. Uh, there's two of us left. Wow. Uh, suicide or killed by nine, violence? At least, at least nine of them uh, were. Uh, eaten by the job, you know, that they yeah. killed themselves, basically, with their own guns. You know, that's another aspect of it. The, the, uh, I, I struggle with it sometimes when I, when I uh, think back on some of them taking their lives, you know, because you, you go through different emotions when people do that. 
why did you do that? Why don't you say shit, you know? Uh, you feel like a weird betrayal and almost anger towards them? Yeah. That's an easy fucking thing to do. Well, that's not easy. It's not easy, you know? Uh, I remember one of them left a letter behind saying that, uh, that there's actually a lot of courage in giving up. And that fucking stuck with me for a while. Yeah. Uh, you know, the access to a firearm, the ability to use it and them using it on other people and then the ease of it uh, just being turned on yourself and that being turned into a release for some people. Uh, you know, going through all my own bullshit and, uh, you know, so I, I thought about it, you know. I, I think everybody has, you know. Mm. You know, going through that, uh, going through, through that process. Uh, There's all kinds of ways to kill yourself too. I think we always look at like the violent means where you shoot yourself or you hang yourself, but yeah. you kill yourself by drinking, drinking or pills or psych meds, self destruction, porn or whatever it is. There's all kinds of suicide food. Uh, but uh, the pain, the pain of just fucking just living, staying. You know. Yeah. Uh, there's a, there's a, there's a book I read, uh, Miyazaki book. Um, it's a character in that book that tries to commit suicide and she, uh, she puts herself in a car and she tries to kill herself by, uh, ramming it into a wall. And, uh, she forgets to, uh, take off her seatbelt. So she arrives car gets wrecked fucking fucking uh, wall gets all destroyed she wakes up in the hospital with her dad next next to her screaming at her what the fuck did you do to the car now i have to pay it back i'm in debt now and also the uh the people that own that wall are now charging us for the wall and she's such a nice person that she can't kill herself till her, all the debts are paid back so she lingers i uh I remember when my daughter was born. Um, she's the best thing that's ever happened to me. But reading that that part of that book, I remember feeling like her. Yeah. Like how now that's not an option, you know. Um, it is, you know, it's it's, it's like I've, you you say it's not just a gun, you know. I try to kill myself with alcohol. You know, a lot of people out there that uh, have met me on the road over the, I don't know, six years that I've been out there doing training and teaching people have, uh, you know, witnessed some of that, you know, go after uh, after a class of me basically reliving some of the uh, traumatic situations that I've been through, uh, through the training people how to not get into that shit. Yeah. And then uh, getting a line of margaritas in front of you, you know, that says a very slow bullet. It's a, listen, we are we go back and forth about like well, I mean, there's all kinds of suicide, right? Yeah. So one's fast and one's slow, but I, you know, what we're experiencing, like you know, on the other side of the fence, is like you have these huge institutions, right? Like you have these huge amounts of money, yeah, and nothing's working, and and you ba think ba about basically the amount of money that you say is being invested in, and the amount of organizations out there. Should be you should see some sort of reflection in the amount that the rates dropping yeah. or 
but that's not just that's not that's not what we see. No, and I think like one of the things for me that's like been shocking to me is the amount of pharmaceutical drug use that are prescribed to guys. You know, where I had a guy this year that was on 32 pills a day. He left, he left on nothing. He came, he was still, he had another guy that was on 13. Yeah. Another guy that was on 17. And, and then when you talk about these pills, these are basically antipsychotic medications. Psychotics, psychotropics, and then they cure with all the side effects and all the things. So you have, to, so you, yeah, uh, so I was on five types of medication. Right. And I'm not currently on not nothing nothing the thing is is like i've never taken those things like but i uh i'm not and judging we're not we're not does. yeah we're not i'm not saying that that isn't for some some it helped uh, yeah. in some cases but uh yeah i remember but, taking but one the pill. suicide rate is gotta be if you look at like what is it three out of six vets that enter the va leave on those meds and then you see suicide rates every 64 minutes yeah that's insane that's an insane number. It's, insane number. it's an insane number, and so you 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 just wonder, like, is it actually do? Is, is so? Is it actually help? So again, I, I I remember getting exposed to some medication, and it helped for initially, m- initially, mm-hmm. and then I was like, but I don't feel like myself. That's exactly what I hear. So from let everybody. me so let me let me go back, and oh, well, this will help you feel more, or let's readjust this, and I'm like ah. And then, um, and then you have the uh, the now current effect of marijuana, like weed. Ah, well, Ed, weed is a harmless. It's fine. You can take it. It's okay. It doesn't hurt anybody. It'll make you feel fine. It does, if you use it as a medication. Yeah. But if you use it as a blanket, it turns into psychosis. Yeah. And it makes shit worse, you know. And it's a process where you're like, uh, if you're somebody like I am. You're trying to figure out your own way out, your own kind of climbing your own way out, trying to figure shit out for yourself, uh, taking advice from people that you assume have know their shit or going to a doctor, go getting a prescription. It's it's a contradictory uh, voices of all ki- types and kinds saying different things about different solutions for your problem. And it, it's taken me a long time to get to a place where I'm not taking anything, basically. You know? You just, well... Here's the thing about life, and that I think people are missing, is that we're not here to feel better. <laughs> we're on, not dude. here, no, we're no, not no, here no, to feel no, better. I we're here to, we're, to transcend. No, we're here to feel better about ourselves and be. Yeah. No. Is that, we're that, here to transcend. We're not here to feel better. We are here to learn about who we are through, the, through, through experiences that are vehicles for us. Is this purgatory? No, because here's the thing. Purg- unless you make it that. To you, yeah, that's an interesting. Because you because you make your own purgatory by the by the things that it's the Lakota tale of two wolves, right? You have two wolves, and they're both exactly the same, and you bring those wolves together, and they're going to fight each other. Which one wins? Yeah, yeah. the one you feed. I remember uh, Jacob's Ladder, that movie. You mm-hmm. Remember that movie? Jacob's Ladder. That's a the Danny Aiello is in that movie, yeah. and he. Uh, he talks about uh, when you're in purgatory. People think that they're in purgatory. Uh, and they, the, the devils are ripping them apart. But at the end of that process, they realize that there's, they're just angels setting you free. Mm-hmm. But it all depends on, you know. Right. We're not here to feel better. Resist. So it's like if you go in there and you've got problems going on and you're like, I need to feel better, you're wrong because this is where, that's actually where it begins. Yeah. That's what I found out all these years and all these guys, you know, hundreds of guys, like, in, in my own journey is realizing that, like, we are not here to feel better, that these experiences that once were tearing me down are now building blocks of growth in my life. And so 
that's what you're trying to do with your program, basically. Yeah, I just put them in. I don't teach them. I put them in situations and circumstances where they learn about who they are. Because like I said, you know, we're here to participate in creativity. We can't help but create. Look around the room. All this was created by what? Thoughts. And so that's the danger of feeding into things, right? So as you, as you, as you, that's why the natives believe that, you know, when you diagnose somebody, you gave them a curse. And you curse them with a disease that they didn't have. But what happens is, is that that's a, that's a powerful, that's a powerful thing. When, it's a when, curse, and yeah. you look at them and you say, "You have PTSD." And I the person's rem- like, I rem- "So I do." I remember that. Uh, yeah, PTSD diagnosis. You have PTSD, and I'm like, "Oh." And then I research it, and I'm I'm all of these things. Well, now. then you reinforce your own correctness. So your mind goes, "Oh, I got that. Oh, I got that." So oh, I'm just that seems so, like so I'm justified in avoiding this. Hmm. So I'm justified in not doing that. So I'm justified in hiding. Yep. You reinforce your own correctness. Fuck. That's yeah. how it works. That's how the mind works. It reinforces your own correctness. So, so we, we get told something that you have something. Okay, you have PTSD. You're like, really? Like, I don't know. You start doing the research. Next thing you know, it pops up. Trouble sleeping? Yeah, a little bit. What? Well, maybe get, you ever yell? Yeah, kind of. Uh, uh, like, next thing you know, I've got PTSD. Yeah. And so you do. Yeah. It's you. So you then you make an agreement with it, yeah, and then you begin to act as a as a character uh, of this. This of is this. This is your identity. I meet guys like, oh, I'm a vet, and I'm like, what do you do? And like, oh, I'm a vet, and I'm like, yeah, but that's not a thing. <laughs> yeah, it's not a verb. You're not veteraning yourself around. Uh, what does that mean? You know, we ask the guys a question. We're like, what does it mean to be a veteran? You know, we ask guys, and you hear them say all these things. You know, like, you know, like loser like you just hear him say all this stuff and i'm just like listening to them i'm like then why are you going around <laughs> acting like you're a vet it if this is what you think it is yeah yeah that's a, that's an interesting thing it's always us you know like if we could just if the whole world could just stop right now right and realize that it's us everything would change in an instant it's in, in an instant but you know we are constantly going outside of ourselves to seek these generator systems to heal us, to give us the advice that we need to take us to the next place. When really it's about unlocking what is already inside of you. It's not about putting anything new into you. It's only about awakening what is asleep in you. That's the difference. The difference is like, you know, I don't, I'm not, I didn't set out on this journey because I want to like be the cool vet and have all this stuff and all check me out like great like follow me like I don't care about any of those things. What I what I look about is realize that one person can change the world by changing themselves, because we're here to free ourselves from ourselves. It's not happening outside of us. If you need to be feel love, but I want to blame somebody though. I don't I don't want it to be about me. Can I blame the government about right? My because shit? that caters to your ego right? It caters to the ego because the real hard work deep down inside is, you know, deep down inside, that's not going to help you. But you go against yourself. So you create your own polarity and you create a war inside of yourself with yourself because the mind says, yeah, you know, maybe take a little bit of those things. You deserve to, you're going to take the edge off, right? But the inside of your soul says, Ah, this doesn't quite feel right. So then you create your own war and then you live in hell. Yeah. That's purgatory because yeah. you put yourself there. You put yourself in the in-between world. I remember my, my, I remember when I was like really bad. I was in California, Fulver. 
there was a Circle K near the place uh, that was hosted by a family out in Fallbrook. Uh, there was a Circle K that I could walk to, you know, I couldn't drive. And I bought three cans of Fosters. That was my that was my fucking thing. Australian for beer. Uh, they hate the fact that they that, that, that they said in Australia they say that's not Australian for beer, but I don't care. It's Australian for beer. Fuck it. You know. Um, I remember buying. I would buy three cans and fall asleep. That was my thing. I wouldn't. I didn't want to get drunk. I didn't want to have fun. I just wanted to fall asleep. And when people talk about sleeping, you know, drunk sleep is death. Basically, you don't dream about anything. You're just fucking gone. Right. That's why it's called spirits. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Wine and spirits. spirits. Yeah. Because your spirit leaves your body when you're drunk in that state. Completely leaves your body. Spirits. I, uh, I would go there regularly probably every three days, you know, with, with my kind of cycle. And I remember just going there and there was, there was no cans left in the uh, aisle, you know. And I walked over to the lady. He's like, hey, uh, there's no more Foster's cans left. She said, yo, just, you finished them all. Like, you finished them all. Oof. I felt so horribly bad about that, you know? Disgust, like she was disgusted by the fact that I finished all those scans. Yeah. Um, I didn't feel like myself. There was a moment there when I was drunk as fuck, and that, that moment there I realized that it was a really big conflict between who I was and what I was doing with that mm. alcohol consumption. And it was hell. It's a, it's a sudden realization like, Holy shit, all the people around me have pitchforks and everything's on fire. Um, that's a very lonely place to be. Alcoholism uh, within the veterans community is profound. Yeah. Uh, it's profound. And, and, and people give it a pass and, you know. Like, they celebrate it sometimes. Yeah, they they got their own whiskey bottles. They got their own stuff. They it, got the things. They got the stuff. But here's the thing. It's like it's killing you got to think about the off-label suicides, right? Like, so the, the suicides that, like, guys die from alcoholism. I had a guy that came through the program whose brother was uh, in the Army and uh, killed himself. If they found him dead in a hotel room with four locos. And, uh, Fuck. you know, we always think about suicide. The person went and hung themselves, went and did this, but it's like, it's alcohol. Yeah. Like we don't obviously have any alcohol in our program whatsoever. We don't even have sugar. All right. You're not even you don't even have you don't even have hot showers. We're not giving people alcohol. But you go to these other people, they're pounding guys with alcohol, right? That's what you do. You show up, hey brothers, you tell the stories, you pour a drink, and it's like I, I understand I understand. Well, for me, like I if people want to drink, that's that's uh, That's your own business. Your own Listen, business. I don't mind. I'll have a beer or whatever, but it's not yeah. a factor in my life. If I for me, I remember when I started, when I said I'm not going to drink anymore, yeah, I locked myself in basically, and it was hell. And but you did it. I remember talking to the doctor yeah. afterwards because there was a crisis midway. And what the fuck are you doing, Ed? Yeah. This is the only drug that'll kill you if you leave it. And it is fucking true. It is fucking true. That's. Legit, one of the only drugs out there that'll kill you if you stop it's taking just it. It's brutal. Um, and again, for me, the whole process was—I uh, can't sustain it. It's unsustainable for me. I know I'm going to die if I continue doing this shit, and I have things to do, and I need to live a bit more. So I remember letting go of that. 
but like you say, it's it's out there, it's around, it's everywhere, and it's offered, it's it's soothing for some people. It, it's also cultural, you know? I remember the first time I went to Kentucky, I got a bottle of buffalo rye. Yeah. It's <laughs> a welcoming <laughs> gift. That and a gun, which is, God bless Kentucky. Uh, but uh, you... Uh, you see it out. Yeah, I, I get what you say when when I said veteran communities out there and it's being it's used as a problem. It's encouraged. It's a part of it's a part of the culture, which and is a, and then the culture has to change because there's no code amongst veterans. There's no code like, hey, look at what does it mean to be a warrior? I think that's like a a question that you know. There's there's, should, there's people should people should sit down and figure out what the definition of that is. Uh, like if I ever went to war ever again, I would go out of love. That, well, that would be your, you wouldn't go out for retribution. No, I would only go out of love, and and when when if I was ever to do that, you would have to nail me to the ground. Because true courage is the absence of fear, and fear is the absence of love, and so to have true courage, true courage, like Alexander the Great riding out, ten thousand men, ready to fight, and he's just alone, and he just rides up early in the morning. And Oh, fuck, and they just run away. Yeah. Right? What is that? See, that's essentially, that is, that is courage, which is a sign of your connection to the spirit, to the creator. The creator doesn't, is not of fear. It's of courage. And so you can't have courage unless you have love. And so for me, like, yes, I went out of fear. I went out of anger. I went out of retribution. You know, I, all of the things in my life I went out initially, it was all, but deep down inside I had fear. Yeah. So you got to purge yourself of all fear, like the fear of being taken advantage of, the fear of not having money, the fear of lack, the fear, every single fear that you could ever imagine, you have to purge yourself of. And then when you get purged of that, then you come into a oneness. Like you read about like the book of five rings or you read about, you, these were not men of, of, riding around with jacked up trucks, like shooting out of the windows, no. like talking about like Iraq in 05 or something. Like yeah. these men did art and they held children and they, 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 they taught, they were teachers, you know, they honored the land, they had gardens, they honored their bodies. Like, and yes, they were fierce on the battlefield. The only way they could be that fierce was because they were balanced within themselves. And so, you know, the mind, uh, unfortunately rules all aspects of the human, but, the mind is just a tool for the heart. Yeah. And so what happens is, is that we ignore the intuitive mind uh, and are ruled by the intellectual mind. And the intellectual mind leads us into all forms of chaos and destruction. It's, it's the four horsemen of the apocalypse. It's the individual. It's not mythological horses. It's, it's when you're ruled by the intellect, black horse, or you're ruled by emotions, the red horse, or you're ruled by material things. The white horse and the pale horse represents all those things in balance. So behold, the pale horse cometh. Why? He's balanced. Not afraid. Yeah. You, can't, you can't scare someone that's afraid, right? You're not going to defile and dishonor yourself when you're in that place of unity and balance within yourself. And to me, that is what needs to be restored within all of humanity. But if we're talking about soldiers or veterans or, 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 or police officers or, or, or people in, in secretive units that are doing all kinds, whatever it is, you know, we have to realize that the freedom from ourselves lies within ourselves. 
And, and in our choices, we find freedom from everything. You could choose something different. Human beings terraform the planet with their choices. Human beings, it's human beings that can stand up and say, no, I refuse that. Or they can say, yes, I accept that. And when we begin to get into alignment, and that's what the 41 days ultimately is about, is we get into alignment. We get all the shit out of us. The drugs, the alcohol, the self-loathing, the codependent relationships, self -loathing, the identity. Self-loathing, self-soothing. Self-soothing. Self-soothing thing is self -soothing. like, that, that shit is a drug too. Sugar, carbs. I, I remember one time I felt so much pressure. I was on my motorcycle like, felt so much pressure like uh, from so many different directions I couldn't even understand it and I remember I was like I was like yelling in my helmet I'm a big motorcycle guy and ride all the time and, and I just remember I just started accelerating my bike like as fast as I fuck like just like and I just saw the side of this building and I'm just going and I was just going and I just was like and I was just feeling that right yeah like I should I could just I could just go right now, right? And uh, and then all of a sudden I came back into myself. And I realized that. And I was like, that was my mind. Was it was your mind. Yeah. I realized it because it wasn't my heart. My heart, the intuitive, the intuitive mind, your heart stopped me. Yeah. Ultimately it was like, no, I get up. And then I just. You like fell I, back into yourself. I fell back into myself, but. I understand what it means to have pain and hurt, and, and, but we're not here to feel good in life. It's not about feeling good. See, we're sold the idea that like we have to feel good about everything. We're here to transcend the experiences that were gifted to you. The experiences that you were given in life, Ed, Micah, whoever, are gifts. They're gifts. They just show up as nightmares. Yeah. And it's that. up for us to transcend them, to remember them as part of us. So we're not living in these separate compartmentalized boxes. We are, we are in a state of balance. And to get there, you have to do the work. It's a midnight of the soul. Midnight of the soul. That's what, that's what this pro, 41 days, look at, is, is the midnight of the soul. It is. And you're around complete and total strangers. You don't know. You're put in very high intense situations. You're going through rituals. You're going through, you know, your horses, mountains, environmental challenges, sweat lodges, sleeping outside. I mean, just all the things. And then finally, also, you can't hide. You can't hide. Can I, That's can, the I, can, thing. I can I just stay back? Can yeah. I, can I stay in my tent for a bit? Mm -hmm. You can't hide. You can't hide. Once you have awareness, though, and you choose that same cup, you do create hell. Because you sin against your own self, you know? So that's, that's when, you know, we wouldn't know love unless there was hate. And we wouldn't know hot unless there was cold. We wouldn't know. How would we know what we are if there was nothing to reflect that back onto us? Yeah. There would be nothing. Would be no, there would be no, it would just be spacious. There would be, there would be no polarity. There would be no third dimensional space, you know? So we need to step on the thorn and then out. But, but if it wasn't there, I'd just step on the thorn and just go right through me. Some weird bar in Acapulco I read on a wall, the midnights of the soul will lead you to the middays of the heart. Mm. Right? It sums it up. But uh, The ancients knew 
The Indians knew. The natives knew. The natives here at Mexico, like they, they knew. And the reason why they were exterminated and their, and their traditions and their ways and all the things were exterminated because we can't have people knowing what uh, I'm talking about. Yeah, no, that's because dangerous. It's dangerous because Free thinkers then, are dangerous. <laughs> that's the most dangerous thing. They killed Jesus, not because Jesus had a nuke. Or he did karate. He did. A, he, he had a pretty big spiritual nuke. Yeah, exactly. He was gonna say something because everything's a thought first. He was gonna say, "Reject them." That's it. Think about it. Every the whole let there be light. The word came first. So if you say, "Yeah, I've got PTSD and." My dad beat the shit out of me and I'm this and that. And I've got this and I've got diagnosis and I see images and I do this and I do this. And so you do. And so you are. Yeah. Because the word, you could just walk down the street and just see some guy and be like, you're a fat piece of shit. And then just walk away. You've changed the entire trajectory of his whole existence. With a word. With a word. Because guess what? He's different now. And he may walk and say, oh, I'll never listen to that guy again. Who was that crazy guy? Then he gets on the phone call. Do, 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 do. Hey, what's up, Bob? You'll never believe what happened to me. And while he's talking, he looks up, loses control of the car, hits the telephone pole. He's dead. Shit. Yeah. Well, he wouldn't have been making that phone call if you hadn't said that to him. Yeah. Or maybe he goes home and he's like, I am disgusting. You know what? I'm going to lose the weight and I'm going to change. Right? <laughs> it could go either way. It could go either way. But it's you. It's, you. it's your choices. You cannot fall out of your choices. If I just pick that cup up right now and drop it on the ground and it breaks, I can never fall out of my choice to do that. Sorry about this badass cup, yeah. but I broke it. Yep. Okay, so what happens next? You throw me out or I sweep it up, right? It's just a series of choices. And, and so you, you get it presented to, You can put it back together with gold like Japanese do. You know, they, exactly. It, we build it, those cups. You could do anything, and this is what we're missing. You know, you look at the world is on the edge of just total chaos. chaos because we're entering into a state of entropy where we're disassociating from all of the things that held us together, right? Yeah, there's no and the, fracturing. Uh, you know, this, 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 I heard this from the Kumeyaay. Uh, Kumeyaay is a tribe that uh, is native here in the region. Mm. I grew up around a lot of them. Uh, they would talk about an amputation. La gente está sufriendo es que le cortaron algo. People are suffering because they cut something off them. Mm. And uh, what did they amputate? Each other. You know, we, we used yeah. to we used to say goodbye to each other on a campfire, and now we you know flip off the neighbor. <laughs> you know, we've severed the link. Yeah, the link between us. You know, if we're made in the image of the creator, right? And so in turn, we're the infinite expressing itself through the finite, right? But we have free will. So I can create whatever we want. I can build a building or I can tear it down, mm -hmm. right? And that's based on our choices, which is governed by our ideals. What he said right there was absolutely correct. We have severed ourselves. We have severed, like, imagine like, okay, let's just let People are just going crazy right now. So let's just say in five five years from now, everything's vaporized, chaos happens, and there's just a there's just two world leaders standing there. And they're like, the only ones left on the planet, two dudes. Yeah. And they're looking at each other and like, see, I was right. No, I was right. See? 
And then they look up, and the last two people on earth pick up rock and start beating each other with it, right? Yeah. And then one guy's left and like, see, I was right. Yeah, I mean, if you focus on what the pro- what the main issues right now are, you know, we're heading into an election cycle in the United States right now. Mm-hmm. Identity. 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 Like, who the fuck The left I? and the right, Call though, me who are I wanna... the same thing. I tell people, I'm like, as it, not, I'm not referring to individuals. But I'm referring to as a collective, yeah. right? The left and the right exist for power. Yeah. They exist for power, all right? So nothing ever changes, but they give you something to feed. So I got to give some to the people that like the blue and some people that like the red. I got to give the people that are the, are the trans and I got to give the gays. Or I got to give the this and I got to give the Christians and I got to give the Muslims. And I got to give the this and I got to give the that. And I got to give... And next thing you know, it's like... Divide and conquer. Yeah, I mean, you're divided among social, economic, you know, um, gender, religion, race, you know, uh, haves and have nots, money, right? So now nobody exists in any form of community together because when you exist in community together, moving in the right direction together, that's a powerful force. Yeah. Imagine everybody just got together, a thousand people right now, and said, hey, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna turn this like dump into a garden. They would do it, right? Because, but we can't have that. No. Because we're going to tell you what you need for you because I know what you need. And then it's like I talk to these vets. I'm like, how did you wind up taking 32 pills? Like, well, they said they're like, get me back to normal. I'm like, well, what's normal? What does it mean to be normal? Oh, shit, that's the biggest lie they tell you. Yeah, because what's normal for someone in Uganda is not normal for someone in Miami. What's normal for a, a dog is is chaos for a bird. Yeah. What's normal for a fish is chaos for an elk. So you look at all those things, right? And you start thinking about how are we being controlled? Yeah. We're only being controlled because we're relinquishing the, the, the ability that we have to complete in total strangers in the illusion that they're going to make life easier for us and we'll have to do less. Yeah. But we actually have to do more, more. to get the things that we think are gonna make us happy. And what I'm saying is like, let's all just stop and get back into the heart center. I mean, I, I'm new to the US, you know? I, uh, my experience has been about almost four years now. Mm. And it's a great country, you know? Yeah. It has yeah. a lot of issues, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I remember the whole aspect of who are you? Identity Yeah. was new to me because here nobody. Like here, nobody gives a shit who you are. Like you, you never got like, oh, what's your faith? Nobody asks you that here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, out there, it. Uh, what's your faith? What's your politics? Uh, what do you believe as far as this and that? Drugs, guns, like all these things. Uh, like you have to, and you have to conform to this specific line of who you are, or else these people won't support you, or this, these people won't support you. I get out of the immigration office when I got my green card, which was not an easy process. Did it legally. And, Congrats, yeah. And uh, the first thing I got was a bunch of pamphlets about how to get our government money in California. I haven't taken a dime of government money since I got there. I got to the U.S. with nothing, and I, I now have two empl- I have four employees, and I'm doing great. You know, the American dream is real if you work for it hard. Yes. That's a proof of that. But I remember the, the conflict of it when I got there where I was like, oh, you don't have to work for it. You, this is, you can get it through here. 
You know, don't do that. That's stupid. Mm. They laugh at you. Yeah. On, on one end. And also on the other end, you know, I remember a, a Muslim friend of mine who uh, we, had, we had as a guest here, uh, Yusuf. Yusuf. Yeah. yeah. He was like, uh, we did his presentation somewhere, and he turned to me and like, ah, and now my Mexican friend, who, you know, they're, they're the bad guys now, you know? And yeah. <laughs> got it forward, like I laughed it off. It's, it's funny. <laughs> yeah. But identity is such. I realized like, all, all my friends, you know, different walks of life, doesn't matter. None of it matters. Like, yes. I, I judge people through their actions, obviously, and specifically like, how the people around them are. You know, are they uh, better for them there? Mm. That's why I look to. You know, that's why I like follow or ask questions of. You know, yeah. There's a weird. You know, who are we? You know, when you when you talk and I say who are we? Because I. I I'm part of that experience, which is the United States, you know. The U.S. used to be the Taliban of the 1700s. <laughs> listen, I mean, yeah, I mean, you got, I mean, the thing is, is that when you speak, like, truth has no agenda, no. right? Truth has no agenda. So when you, like, say the truth, you know, people who are so politically charged, you know, I'm like, look, it's the same thing. I'm like, government should be in the business of providing opportunity. Yeah. That's it. Providing opportunity, but that's not the case now. Yeah. Now, now we look to them to give us things, yeah. right? And in turn, we become slaves. You know, we become we fall into a form of slavery, and you know, we. I'm so thankful for my life, and I'm so thankful for the the, you know, my children and the people that I have and the animals, the mountains, the stuff, the ability to help people, and 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 I think that like we should start looking to each other as a community, instead of looking to like an individual to save us, right? Like and say like, oh, maybe when this guy gets in in five years, like he's gonna make my life better. Why don't you just make your life better now? Yeah. By changing your choices. You know, changing your choices, stop looking to for someone to tell you what to do and what normal looks like and how to think and seize the opportunities that you create for yourself. And that's what government should be allowing us to do. Should be allowing us to create for ourselves. You know, that is well, a beautiful da- thing. It's dangerous. It's scary. You're talking about dangerous shit. It yeah. is dangerous. Just, just, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's dangerous it's, shit right now. It is. Uh, but yeah, you, the program you talk about, that's basically what it is. It is a, a, sm- it's a microcosm experiment of what you're talking about, of creating an, a, a, a space for people to create mm. their own fucking way out, arming them with that ability or that know-how to be... I don't I want to say get over their own bullshit. Yeah. But a lot of the stuff that we carry is our own bullshit. Yep. And once we figure out a way to climb out of our own bullshit and realize that we are you know, uh people ask me questions like, "Hey, top 10 advice that you have, like number 1 invest in people." Mm-hmm. The best investment that you can have anywhere in the world is investing in people. Cuz it's all people. Like I'm uh I can travel across I've I've been to most states except uh, uh, Iowa. I'm sorry, Iowa. I haven't been to Iowa or Hawaii or uh, Alaska. I'll get there. But I've seen more, most, more of this country than most Americans in three years. It's a great gift. Uh, I'm not alone anywhere I go because everywhere I go, I've mm-hmm. already invested in people in some way, shape, or form through either the classes I do, what I give out for free online, advice people hey ed you were very honest and open about your fucking horrible experience 
not drinking. That took a lot of courage. Fucking no. I'm a coward. You know why I did that? You know why I was public with my uh, sobriety? Because I wanted other people to keep me accountable for it because I didn't trust myself to not drink. Mm. <laughs> Listen, but, you, but here's the thing is you did it. I did it. And but you're doing it. But yeah. when I talk about investing in other people and figuring shit out like that, you know, you know, the I couldn't have gotten there if I hadn't gone through that fucking mm. destruction, you know. Enlightenment is not, it's the crumbling away of untruth, you know. It's not about feeling better or no. feeling good. It's fucking desolation. It's ripping untruth out of you, you know. Uh, you know, when I see the program you're doing and some of that, it's scary. Like, for somebody like me, if you were to ask me, hey, uh, this is this program, it's 40 days, you can come out there. If you were to ask me that three years ago, I would have said, well, how am I going to get my booze, right? Yeah. I don't yeah. I can't go. Yeah. If you were to ask me that two years ago, well, can I take my weed with me? You know? If you were to ask me that now, I'm like, shh, I don't have any more excuses. Can I bring my blanket? <laughs> now I don't have anything. I don't have anything to yeah. tell myself. And I think it, that's... It's scary because what you're talking about, it's, it's people don't change even though the world changes around them. They hold on to these psychological perceptions of not changing. But everything changes. Nothing lasts. Nothing lasts. So people, they want things to be different, but just to an extent. Yeah, yeah. And then and just yeah. to an extent, just kind of get there. But like, what I'm talking about is like a cataclysm, a cataclysm on your life where you leave and you're not it, even if you resist the whole thing like i'm gonna resist the whole time for 41 days okay and cold you're still changed i've got to hold my breath motherfuckers yeah, are gonna hold their breath yep it's fine i'll get out of here and i'll you just go back no nope. you can't help it so and you're gonna change and, and the thing is is like i tell people i'm like you know they go in the, the pandemic and the things and the stuff i'm like look at suicide is a pandemic it's a virus that is infected yeah you know our community yeah. You know, as infected. And then think about like police officers, first responders, like the uh, people uh, that are on the front lines of doing it. And what are we offering them with all these billions and billions and bazillions of dollars and think tanks and degrees and all these people? We're offering them a way to quietly go off and die. Yeah. <laughs> yes. In That's way, what it is. In a way, it's, a, it's yeah, they're, out, they're offering a, yeah, a path towards that. A in path a towards death. Because here's the thing. It's either a slow death or a fast death, but it's a death. Yeah. But you can choose your way out of it. You can choose your way out of it if you're willing to truly search for truth, now, your own truth. What would you tell to somebody like you know myself or somebody coming out of whatever experiences they're coming from? And also, just for people out there to kind of like not focalize, uh, I've... You know, some of my therapy circle, my therapy circle that I go to, uh, there's a rodeo clown there. And there's a lady that uh, had a horrible marriage. Dude was fucking psychotic and did the budget shit to her. I wouldn't trade lives with any of these people. They've lived held themselves in their own ways. You know, mm. one of them destroyed his body uh, through uh, years of rodeo work and rodeo clowning. And the, the guy does have this, his spine is basically a single piece, you know, fused together. 
I remember specifically him. Uh, uh, we had this conversation. Uh, no, nobody kind of knew who everybody was, so everybody told their story. Uh, and he he was a uh, you know, kind of cra- crabby, you know. You know, next sitting next to me, he was like, Psst, you know, like this. Mm-hmm. And uh, we would hang out, drink coffee, and stuff like that. And, and then the uh, story got to me, and I told my story. Uh, and he didn't talk to me after that. I felt like shit. I felt the rejection from him. Uh, later on, I approached him outside and I asked him, like, hey, dude, like, uh, did I do anything wrong? Did I say anything? You know, do you hate Mexicans or what's going on? Yeah. Uh, he said, you remind me that you went through what you went through and you're doing a lot with it and I haven't done shit. And mm-hmm. you just reminded me of that. And I just think I can't be around you, you know? And there's, there's people out there suffering in different ways, you know? It's not, you don't have to go to war to go to war, you know? Listen, there's some people that I've met that, that just cowboys that have had experiences that make some of the guys that come through the program, like, yeah. it dwarfs them. Yeah. I mean, hard lives, traumas, things. And the interesting thing about them is they've kind of had to just go on. Yeah, suck it up. Because there there is no institutions for them. And that's what I mean when I say, like, we're helping people to death. Yeah. Specifically men, you know? Yeah. The quiet quiet desperation of men, Mm -hmm. you know? Suck it up. That whole aspect of it is also something out there, you know? Suck it up. You're a dude, you know? I know. You're not supposed to be like that. Yep. You know? No, 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 no. What are you doing, Ed? We have to re-engage and we have to re... I think we're coming to a time where we're starting to rethink, like, what it means to be a human. and, And I think that... The conversations like we're having right now yeah. are are beginning to kind of like people are starting to begin to kind of shuffle around and, and start to look at different. One guy applies to the program. He's like, I've been to, you know, I've been on ten vacation for veterans. I've I'm I'm on fifteen medications, and my wife's left me. I live in my dad's basement now, and my kids won't even talk to me. They've gone off. You for, know, for somebody like that, what, what what advice? Like to me, if I'm there, if you again, you tell you tell me three years ago, I'd say fuck. What you're offering seems. Scary as fuck. Yeah. Scary as fuck. Uh, it separates me from my hiding places. So again, scary as shit. Mm. Uh, I don't. I don't think it's for me. Maybe it's for somebody else who's more hardcore, strong. Like, well, the, what would you say the to fact what that would you say saying, to me? The fact that they're saying that they need, they need to, you know, that's the, right? need to go. <laughs> that, that's it. I mean, because do you think it's a? It's, do you think it's a? It's a leap of. It's a leap. It's a leap but of, don't wait. Here's the thing is that the past is gone and the future's not here yet. So what if we just like got rid of the past and then had the future over here or just here right now, yeah. right? And and the decisions that you make to get out of those, to get out of the, the choices that you've made and to free yourself from your own prison that you created, you have to get into the heart. And, and, and deep down inside, when you begin to listen, you, f- you find truth. Because truth is always silent. The mind always talks. Yeah. True truth can only be felt. It's a knowing. And so then you move from trust, and you move from, from, from all the mental constructs into knowing. And you know in your heart, you know what? If I want to change, I got to get off this couch. Yeah. And I got to stand up and I got to dump it down the bottle. I got to dump the bottle down the drain. I, I, I got to turn the TV off. I, I need to get outside. I have to begin to do things, right? So it's just little micro steps, just a little thing. You know what? It's just 
we try to do too many things at one time is what happens with people. You know, this program is 41 days. So you've got 41 days and everything's built in place for you. We've got an outdoor sauna. We've got an in-ground cold plunge. We've got a whole workout. Everything's area. there. Everything's there. So it's, so, so it's, but no one's forcing you. That's what makes the, the doors open. difficult. The doors open. You can leave. But, holy shit. Well, oh, fuck. The door's open. No. That, no, yeah. Well, the door's open, so it's your choice to leave. Well, people already know what they have to change, okay? Yeah. They're just not listening. They're, they're, they're not listening. But, it, but if a person right now, if that person's sitting in their basement and they're sitting there and they're thinking about how caustic my life becomes, you hate the very thing that you created, the easiest thing you can do is stand up and do 180 degrees from what you were doing that day and your life will change. And it will change significantly. So if you're drinking a bottle a day, Dump it down the drink. Figure out. Go to AA. Figure it out. Surround yourself. Get rid of all your friends. Tell people to fuck off. Change your peer group. Start walk, waking up early. Get on a schedule. Like all those little tiny things. Okay, well, that how is that going to change my life? And next thing you know, you're out there walking. You bump into a guy. Excuse me. And that becomes your new best friend that helps you along the way. I was out here walking. Why? I was just in AA. See, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. But you have to put yourself in the position for that radical shift to happen. And we do that by getting out of the operating system and into the heart of who we are. Yeah. And it's not some kind of like woo-woo, blah, 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 whatever people say. But I'm telling you, it's the design of the entire planet. Every living thing is living through the process that we're talking about. We're not here to feel good. We are here. The experiences that we get in life may not be what we want, but they're what we need. And then it's up to us to transcend them. Somebody goes through your program 40 days. Uh, gets humbled, you know. Uh, yeah. You can't hide anymore, so you're bare. Basically, somebody told me you can't pickpocket a naked man, you know. And I mm. think basically at the end, you develop somebody that's fucking naked, and it's hard to steal from them, I guess, and from yourself, because a lot of us are just fucking robbing ourselves of time and opportunities by just staying there. Um, what's next for somebody coming out of those forty days? Uh, what do you yeah, say? I mean, so it's stay the course, right? So they come out, they 41 days, they leave, they go home, day 42, they're on an airplane, and they're back into what we call routine life. What, what's that experience like for people? Like, what have, you, what have you heard of people talk about when they just, all of a sudden, they're like, I'm in an airport, and there's snacks here, and yeah. there's like, it's heated here. Like, what is that like for people? Well, now you get the opportunity to use your uh, superpower, which is your man's ability to choose, which is our superpower. And hopefully you have sharpened the tools enough and gotten the awareness enough. And some guys will go back to the trough initially. Yeah. They'll get home some days, they'll do some stuff, and the next thing you know, but they come back. Because here's the thing, it's not the same. No, It doesn't feel the same. You're not the same person. You've already changed. And so you start to feel that war that you create inside. And you're like, I don't want this. So, but, but, you know, we're with guys for, you know, an entire year, basically. So we have the pre-communication strategy that happens with them. So that helps them get off all the drugs, all the pills, all the stuff, all the things, brings awareness about, about breath work and about fitness and about all the things and the dietary changes that they're going to be making. We, we have our own cookbook called the anti-inflammatory pharmacy. So it's about eating, you know, things without inflammation and, that you know, changes. just the dietary change is insane. Believe me, I mean, I'm just like anybody else. I love to eat shit. Um, but, 
there's um you know and then quarterly we're with those guys and we have a course that we're just finishing now called stay the course which helps them through the course of the year and then they got to go on and live their lives yeah you know if you're like constantly need somebody checking up on you oh. for years and years and years then 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 this process wasn't right there's a remember that movie uh castaway yeah um i remember going through my own process of stripping everything off and stripping everything away for me it was pretty recent you know and i'm not anywhere close to just being okay or feeling healed or shit like that but i think i've killed a few very big monsters that were basically holding me back mm. uh i remember you stopped feeding them yeah uh i write a lot about my experiences and it's my way of killing or letting go of some of those experiences and i post them up online and people read them openly and all of those come from my own therapy journal basically they're not they're not something i'm writing to to sell as a book or everything that people are like ed write a book no, this is me vomiting in mm -hmm. public and people are watching me. Purging yourself. Uh, I let go of alcohol. I let go of uh, some toxic relationships that I was hiding behind and shit like that. Uh, I remember coming to a realization that I was not only economically secure, but I was better or more so than anybody before in my family. Uh, that my kid was taken care of and her future was pretty secure. Uh, that I am making other people's lives better in a very clear and positive way. Mm -hmm. And I remember all that weight being, you know, I don't know all that shit. And then feeling like Tom Hanks in that fucking movie at the end of it when he's standing at that crossroads. And then I was like, now what you know now what you know now what um now what <laughs> mm. you know yeah and now what here we are yeah and yeah. so like as you bring your your changes in your life path to other people you inspire them to do the same and then they inspire the next person to do the same and the next person the next person and so on and so forth and then you know the world is always changed by someone yeah someone that's willing to stand up and and be the example right it doesn't mean you don't fail and you still screw up you know have yeah. a hard time you know that's all part of it yeah it's all part of it you know people always think like oh you gotta like all figure it out or whatever. you don't know how it is i'm like <laughs> i just i'm just like just i just shut up like give me this winkler i i can't i, I like i can't i'm just sharing my journey in real time that's it and that's what that's what that actually helps you along your path. And we're all just at different levels of going through the same thing, which is rediscovering and uncovering. Yeah. Yeah. Hiding from ourselves and then finding ourselves over yep. and over and over again. Yeah. Over and over you climb. It's like, you know, just when you think you're kind of getting things figured out, something else, something else. But now you lean into those things. And you're like, oh, yeah. okay, what, why is this? And I used to have this fear of being taken advantage of. Yeah. And, and so who showed up in my life? Only people that take advantage. Yeah. yeah well, because I needed that gear. I needed to purge myself of that fear. My, mine is abandonment. Abandonment. And right. So your prior relationships probably started, people started abandoning you. Everybody abandoned me. Correct. You know? Right. Exactly. And then once you don't have a fear of abandonment, then you fall into real, yeah. real relationship with people. It's like I was talking about love, where, you know, do you, 
do I look at my wife and do I love her? Or do I only love her because I want to feel love back from her? Yeah. And so then I surround myself in these parasitic relationships, right? When, when your ability, like I asked my dad, I said, dad, I asked him that question. And he goes, I love, I, I love your mom more than I love myself. And I was like, that's impossible. How would you know you're doing that? He wouldn't know. <laughs> he, he was just like, you wouldn't know. So ultimately, like, you know, I used to think like my understanding of love is like so much different. True love is, 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 is really its strength. Strength. It's ultimate strength and it's ultimate courage. True love. When you have a person that's balanced and centered within that, that is, that is a special thing. And, and we should all be striving to get there. And, you know, I think that um, if we could, if every single human being, you know, veteran, whatever, it doesn't matter who you, it's just every single human being just took a step back and thought about that and thought about honoring themselves and learning about what love is, like it would change in an instant, the whole world would change. Yeah. In an instant. All of a sudden, the two dudes beating each other with the bats would be like, hey. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have anything to do with fighting or war or any of those things. It has to do with that. That is the greatest gift. It is truly the greatest gift. You know, you think about Christ hanging on the cross. He says, hey, forgive them because they don't know what they do. After they flogged them and tortured them and beat them. And that's strength. I mean, that's as strong as it gets. It went from retribution to love. To love. I started off, you know, in retribution. My whole life was about retribution because I was just running from myself. That, that's you know? a, and I wanted to be seen. Yeah. You know, I wasn't seen as a kid. Nobody, I never felt like anybody, I, 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 it's hard to remember back, you know, but like I remember being a kid and feeling like no voice, not heard, not important, nothing. And, and so what do you do? You start getting louder and louder and louder. You know, your, your kid comes home, you're like, hey, hey, I'm busy, I'm going to work. Daughter comes back inside. She spills the milk over. You're like, hey, I gotta work. Like, go back, and next thing you know, she comes, she got a nose ring. You're like, whatever. Hey, get out of here, I got stuff I gotta do. And she comes back, she got a tattoo. You're like, okay. And then she comes back, she got a zebra head on. You're like, all right. <clears throat> so you just, people wanna be seen. They want, people want to be seen, they want to be validated. And so they start to have these outward expressions that are negative and harm themselves so they could get seen because they're not seeing themselves. And we could all see the value within ourselves and the gift that we are to the world and begin to realize that it's our choices that are terraforming the planet. It's us. Whole planet is shaped and terraformed by people's choices. Look within. Look within. Micah, uh, thank you so much for this conversation. Appreciate it, buddy. If yeah. uh, anybody wants to find out more about the project you're doing and, and, and ways of supporting it or ways of joining it, uh, where can they find that out? Yeah, go to heroesandhorses.org. You can follow us on Instagram at heroesandhorses. And, um, yeah, if you know some vets or you know people that want that, that need this process or need this program, you know, look us up and uh, I'm gonna make share, that step. I'm going to share this with my community. There's a lot of people out there that follow me for different reasons, and a lot of them just follow me for basically I'm, uh, you know, jackass look at my process <laughs> so i think a lot of people are going to get a lot of i love you doing it. that because you know what ed that takes courage and it's been hard for me to share my life with people because you open yourself up for criticism and this and that and you're out there in the world stage and and but when you really realize the impact that it's having on other people because the world is in a state of suffering yeah and if people don't stand up and get vulnerable and say you know what i've been rock bottom yeah just like you 
Yeah. And and get really truthful. You inspire other people to do the same. And I, I you know, I commend you for that. Uh, uh, my life has, uh, my world has ended several times over. Mm-hmm. And here I am, you know. As if, if anything, uh, I would just that's the lesson I want to teach people. Yeah. Cool. You're doing it. Thank you for coming on. Thanks, brother. <laughs>